Who, what, when, where, why. Life has many questions, and we have answers. Though questionable they may be, this is the questionable guide to life. <laughs> I need to get water before we start. Oh, you and your fucking need yeah. for sustenance. I know. <laughs> okay, water was close. I feel like I should have just been playing the Jeopardy theme song while you were gone. Just, you know, <laughs> I mean, that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> Broadcast has been interrupted to bring you this important message. Drink water, or you will die of dehydration. Drink you some some Wawa. <laughs> this yeah, this podcast sponsored by water. This podcast sponsored by H two to the to the to the O. Yeah, and that. the stutter and the stutter was necessary. That's the advertisement campaign. It's H two to the to the to the O. Yeah, it's it's like a hip hop thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like early two thousands, like white people trying to be hip hop. Yeah, early two thousands, white people trying to be hip hop because they got flow like water. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Welcome to the Questionable Guide podcast. Yeah this this episode is a questionable guide to water. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's the whole thing. We're gonna talk about this for at least seven hours. Seven. Be prepared for seven hours of water puns. Like, what did the fish say when he swam into a concrete wall? Damn. But I'm <laughs> got him. Got him. So we're gonna we're gonna just be talking about things. That's kind of what we do. That's our jam. Yeah. This podcast theme is things and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna. This is basically a guide to things and stuff. And. I guess I'm gonna open it up with uh, Johnny. I've been I've been waiting to tell you about this. I started watching this show called Deeper Space on the Gaia Network. <laughs> and, yeah, and so I really expected to learn <laughs> to learn a lot about science, just in general. Um, it's like I love learning about space, and it was like secrets uncovered, and like I got this ad, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna. Try out Gaia. I'm going to see what this is all about. It's it's, it's like, I'm going to learn science from a channel that's named after the Earth Mother. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so... (laughs) So I start this shit up, and it's not at all what I expected it to be. I I just went ahead and, like, skipped ahead a couple episodes, because it's not like a... I figured it wasn't a series that, like, had a... (laughs) A story that's ongoing. And so I start this episode and it's the narrator is just like, like, I forget the guy's name, but it's like John something was a soldier on Mars. And I was, I was like, wait, hold on a minute. And it just cuts to this guy um, who is talking about the technologies that they had on Mars and how he was taken from his mother's womb at six months and genetically altered to be the perfect soldier. <laughs> Meanwhile, this guy looks like Jack Skellington. Like, in no way could this guy have been <laughs> genetically perfect, as he was stating. And then it it cuts to this guy 
this scientist, I suppose, I don't even know what you could call this. Um, it cuts to him, and I recognized him from the Gaia website. He was one of their, like, top advisors. And he was like, and this is all true. And I was like, no way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> They're all just like, yeah, this is fact. And this guy goes into this story about, you know, about being a soldier on Mars. And <laughs> he said, now, as you know, it was, for a while, it was a three-man playing field. It was... It was the humans and the insectoids and then the lizard men. And I was like, wait a minute. Hold on. What was the prerequisite knowledge for this? What was I supposed to have known before coming into this show? Because everyone was just like, everyone is on board with everything he was saying. Like, hold on. They were like, yes, exactly. Yeah. And then there was a fourth race that came in and the three others had to unite and so it was chaos on that battlefield you know you had the insectoids just just firing on the these new aliens that came to attack <laughs> us i'd say that it probably cost about a hundred million dollars to genetically modify me yeah probably around that and this whole time my mind is just is blown like I, I couldn't and so i couldn't finish the episode I went to another episode. I just had to see. I just, I had to see what was going on with this. And you had to, you had was, to take yeah. the red pill. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I need to see about all this science I don't know about. And so I go to the, I go to another episode way later on down the line, and I, I click randomly in the episode. I'm like, I'm gonna just see what they were talking about. And it's this lady, and she was, she was saying, and then one day. I was walking out of a store and this raggedy old man comes up to me and he says, are you the real one? And I just wondered how he knew I was a clone. And that last (laughs) sentence is such a mental flashbang. (laughs) And I was just like, okay, that was a crackhead. (laughs) It was tweaked out of his mind. Well, here's here's my thing. Here's my thing, dude. Like, I I I I love those fucking shitty stories like that because you're just like somewhere somebody who like really was like the world's greatest bully of like all time programmed this into your brain, and they're like a legend. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there is some snot nosed fucking kid from the eighth grade that fucked this person's life up so bad that is just, like, giggling as they watch this $14 subscription show on the Gaia Network while watching Alex Jones videos. <laughs> and and he's just like, I knew it. I knew they was a lizard person. I actually had to go out of my way to to get on the Gaia Network. Um, <laughs> it's not available on any console. Um, I had to actually go to the <laughs> website, get a subscription, and then I had to connect my TV's HDMI to my computer to watch it. Because they say it's available on all this stuff, but, like, couldn't find it on my Roku. <laughs> and, and I was like, these are all my options. Like, I'm, like, okay, I could get it on my phone. What good does that do me? <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and watch a TV show on my phone while I'm in my room with my TV and my computer. 
Dude, I'm and a... then there comes the whole like cast it to your TV argument. But like, why is Gaia so complicated? You know why? Because because they spent ten million dollars genetically enhancing that guy to fight on Mars. A hundred million. Oh, a hundred million dollars getting yeah. that guy to fight on Mars. Um, They're so broke right now. Yeah, this it was really hard. Genetic engineering takes a long time. Um, you know, and and you gotta you gotta put the streaming service on hold. You know, like developing the streaming service is not a priority when you're building a super soldier yeah. to fight insectoids. Yeah, I also <laughs> fell asleep with this on. Like, I I just want to like point this out. I fell asleep with it on, and I woke up and didn't know what was going on <laughs> on the TV. But I I just like sat up and I was like, all right, let's see what's going on here, Gaia. You, I'm hooked. Um, <laughs> And it just cuts to this, like, scene of this guy. Like, the camera is, like, panning over him. The background is space, and he's sitting in a chair. And he was like, now, common knowledge dictates that we're in a simulation. This is this is just common knowledge. And I was like, okay, so we're already just going to 0 to 100 upon waking up. This, this network knows everything, Johnny. <laughs> I'm just wondering if when you purchase your your um, your subscription, how many months do you have to subscribe before they give you the instructions on how to make your tinfoil hat? Because, <laughs> like, I've been yeah. I've been looking for the perfect tinfoil hat recipe for a very long time because I do not want my brain tapped by the alien overlords and lizard people. Okay, these people are real people. They're out there. I've seen them. I've seen them. <laughs> and they say, we worship Satan. Just go ask Gaia now. your babies. Yes. They say. They'll tell you. They, and, 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 and I tell you what. I tell you what. It's, 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 a great, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a great problem. It's a great problem in this country. It's a horrible <laughs> problem. You know. They, they, they eat babies, man. This show <laughs> has three seasons, Johnny. <laughs> Dude, they they were able to to afford three seasons, and we could barely make one episode of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and something else I noticed um, is that I thought initially, just in my head, I was like, okay, so maybe just this show is on this wild spectrum of pseudoscience. And so, okay. oh no, dude, Gaia Network. No, you do your no. research. Gaia Network is literally like Alex Jones's playhouse. All right, like, like it is. It is all the people who who drank mercury laced water when they were twelve years old. Like it is. I clicked club. on Gaia News, their show for the like for the network, their news network, and I was like. Audible sigh. I started watching, and it cuts to this guy, and and like I skip a little bit through, and then he just suddenly says, "And we've collected over three thousand photos that NASA has released that show that they have buildings on Mars. We have indisputable (laughs) proof." And I, I paused it. I was like, "No, I fucking what?" I, I I need these photos. <laughs> yeah. Where are they? 
<laughs> it's like this dramatic pause in your brain where you're like, wait, wait, what? What did I miss now? Hold on. Hold yeah, on. Am I crazy <laughs> or is this network crazy? Because uh, what I need is to know where to start to learn all this that I should know. So, first of all, the world is a simulation. Second of all, there are insectoid and lizard people battling alongside us on Mars, fighting a fourth race that is previously unknown to us. And we're, we're genetically engineering skeleton people, because that's what that guy was, <laughs> to go fight this war. Why are we not grabbing gym bros? But oh, well, see, see what it is. What it is is we need the skeleton people because of the mass density on Mars. You know, oh, it's heavier than yeah. Earth. So he actually has really small and compacted muscles, so that gravity does not take its toll on him, all right? This is, this is the engineering that we needed, okay? And you're fighting a war on Mars, so you're going to be using Mars technology weapons, obviously. Have you ever been on Gaia? No, I haven't, but I've heard wow. so many horror stories of it. They're probably going to approach you at this point after what oh, you yeah. just said. They're going to listen to this, and they're going to be pissed at first. They're going to be like, these guys these guys are making fun of Gaia. Um, and then they're <laughs> going to hear what you said, and they're like, wow, that was such a solid explanation. They're going to be like, they're going to be like, this is our scientific backer. He's like the, uh, he's, he's going to be our new guy, right? Dr. Go Johnny. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Johnny Sasquatch. He's actually the real Sasquatch, why, which is why we don't show his face, you know? Um, yeah. And we yeah. also can't show pictures of him. Yeah. And, We're going to tell you it exists, though. All right, so here's, here's my, my weird, crazy, like, uh, I am crazy over this thing. Uh, thing where like I, I know for a fact that I'm probably wrong but I will fight tooth and nail for it. I think Sasquatch exists. I really do. I'm, I I'm one Sasquatch of those people that's like he probably exists. I See I think it's entirely possible that when all those videos erupted and here's my like I'm crazy thing. Something that I thought about a while back was that when all those videos like erupted all over the internet in like the early 2000s um of like you know of blurry sasquatch it's entirely possible one existed and got killed and that's why it's been so long well my whole thing with the uh, i'm not current on this my whole so, thing with the argument is everybody's like well if he's real how come all the photos are blurry i'm like dude have you ever had adrenaline run through your body and try to record some shit like ever yeah i'd, like, I'd probably be uh, pretty frozen if like, i saw a sasquatch like, if i saw a sasquatch and i was going to like record it or take a picture of it my hand would be moving so ridiculous i'd be lucky if it even looked like the shape of sasquatch like yeah i don't care <laughs> how yoked you are like there are people that talk about that thing being like you know eight nine feet tall so i don't care how yoked you are you're you're frozen if you're seeing that yeah, no, it's not even, like, frozen. It's just, like, even if you do move, like, you're not going to have full motor function. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you know? And it's like, it's like, dude, you're never going to get a clear clear photo of a Sasquatch. Like, it's not... Unless you're, like, a National Geographic photographer who has been trained to not flinch when a tiger walks past you, 
Like, I don't think you could ever get, like, a valid shot of Sasquatch. Like, that would be, like, yeah. the mental fortitude to be able to do that is insane. And if anybody hears this, they're like, oh, yeah, bro, that's that's retarded. Man. Dude, I guarantee you I at some point someone's going to hear this, and I'm going to get a message. They're going to be like, listen, bro, this is how you could take down Sasquatch. We're going to, like, I'm going to pitch that to the Gaia Network. <laughs> see if I can get a show with that guy. <laughs> we're, we're gonna bank off of Gaia at some point. Oh yeah, oh yeah, straight up a questionable. Dude, Gaia is the ultimate questionable guide to reality. Um, yeah, I feel like we're stealing Gaia's thing by naming our podcast a questionable guide, whereas Gaia is like a factual guide to life, like. Like all the hidden secrets yeah. that you ever knew. Because everything there is objectively true. Hey, man. Hey, man. <laughs> it's objectively true. I'm telling you. They've got the science. I mean, you saw the guy in the lab coat say, yeah, this is true. So, you know it's real. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like, kind of like you know, ghosts are real. Because Ghost Adventures, at the end of their, at the end of their video, they said, you know, they had the guy be like, yeah, this is a doctored footage, you know? <laughs> so, it reminds me of another thing that I saw on there that I started paying attention to. A lot of the people that they had on, it, like, they weren't doctors in any way, but like their credit was that they were the author of like lizard people are real, or like the author of like <laughs> the world is the matrix. Like, <laughs> like that was their area of expertise for them to come into this on and tell you factual information. Yeah, exactly. If you wrote a book, obviously, clearly, it's like it's just like everything on the internet that you've ever seen is true. If you've written a book, like you know what you're talking about. Like that's that's yeah. just like the laws of laws of existence, you know. Like, if I wrote a book called "Knitting is Terrible for Your Health," bro, then I'm being honest. That's factual, bro. Knitting is horrible mm-hmm. for you. <laughs> <laughs> See, I will say of Gaia, if you go. <laughs> Away from their like their pseudoscience um, stuff that they have, they do have some some really good like mindfulness stuff um, that's actually very helpful. But that's guy. That's what's good on Gaia. Like there's a well, I mean, and there's I mean, a billion clearly, space shows, and they're all like that. But I mean, I mean, clearly, if you subscribe to a network named after the Earth Mother. Just go to the spiritual stuff. Just like stay away from yeah. the science on that network. Get you some Ram Dass. Like I, a spiritual, like like you need the you need the Ravi Shankar stuff. Like you don't yeah. want the you don't want their pseudo stuff. Like you want their their you know like Sandre Gupta shit. You know, like you want the good stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. Going on there for the science is that's it's so interesting. <laughs> like you read... know, you know they produce those science shows just because they're like, well, dude, we got the hippie guys on the channel for the Gaia stuff. Now we need like the really far right wing crazy people on our channel. So let's make a bunch of pseudoscience shit so that Alex Jones fans can enjoy this too. Someone at me and says, like, I can't believe you called this pseudoscience. Like, <laughs> some of it's factual. I'll say that to combat that, but Dude, it's like that one <sighs> that one magazine when we were kids, what was it called? Like the Global Inquirer or whatever. 
where it was like the Bat Boy stories and like Mothman and all that shit. And like they, yeah. they like said it was satire like, on the paper, but people like straight read that shit. Were like, this is real. This is real. <laughs> like, wow. Okay, I gotta go to this area right now and look for the Mothman. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Can you imagine if Mothman and Sasquatch had like a pseudo baby? Like a fucking uh, moth squatch. Moth squatch. <laughs> that that would be the scariest monster ever. And then it eats another moth squatch and also becomes a Wendigo at the same time. Like oh scariest, scariest villain. Moth squatch the Wendigo. Yeah, dude. Oh like, my. Yeah. Like picture that. That is the most fearsome creature in all the land. Like <laughs> hold on. <laughs> like for all the D D people out there. Here. <laughs> there's there's a moth squatch in this cave. And then you just hear <laughs> I don't even you know the best part is I don't even know what that sounded like. Oh, oh, oh it sounded like uh somebody screaming about a moth squatch in a cave. Um, okay. excellent. <laughs> the first excellent. time you said it, you definitely cut out in the middle of it and it was hilarious. It was yeah. like there's a moth! And then it was just like, get <laughs> out. <laughs> Amazing. But like, Musquatch the Wendigo did not wait for you to finish calling No, he didn't. Because he's no. not in it for the fame. He's in it for blood. Yeah, and snitches get stitches. So. <laughs> he, he follows street laws. Mothman was actually raised in like the Lower East Side. Yeah, Mo- Mothman, Mothman was straight up a blood, huh? You know what I'm saying? He was bull bombing molecular. So that's canon. <laughs> oh my god. That's canon now. This is this is Gaia, where you at? Hit us up. Yeah, for Gaia, this. Gaia, we need the moth squatch the Wendigo. Or Netflix, hit us up. We'll make an animated yeah. series. Yeah, we'll 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 do it up. And then we'll we'll but we'll do it like the history of the moth squatch, you know? And like He's he's totally gonna like be around in the Viking era and like he's gonna be a god to them. Like it's 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 a great concept for a show, you know, just the history of Moth Squatch, the Wendigo. There's <laughs> so much packed into that. <laughs> I feel like the the guidebook would be like it's like ten chapters long and that's the prerequisite for reading the first comic. So you know and what's going on. There's gonna be there's gonna be like one chapter that's like how to survive the how to survive Moss Watch the Wendigo. And it's just be like, you don't. You don't. Good luck. <laughs> if you figure it out, then it's just like the, it cuts off and there's like a blood splatter on the page. Like if you figure it out, blood splatter. That's you know it. how moths are like super attracted to like lamps and shit? What if Moth Squatch aggros any lamp or light oh, that yeah. he sees? He's yeah. just hyper aggressive if he sees a lantern. But he's also a Wendigo. So like Oh yeah. Fire, yeah. fire, he don't fuck with it, my guy. But because he's also moth squash, he's fire resistant, my guy. Like yeah, you know so, how many forest fire? That's like twenty two. He's yeah. he's scared shitless of fire, but he also hates it. And he's also immune to it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just it's like a fish afraid of water. Yeah, it's it's yeah. and and it makes him even more fearsome because then he's always an animal back to the corner. <laughs> he's <laughs> always aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> he has teen angst. 
Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, it was definitely a teenage Sasquatch. And, you know, when you become a Wendigo, you no longer age. So when he starts approaching you, you hear, like, the ba-doom, ba-doom, ba-doom of, like, his foots. And then you hear, like, smells like teen spirit, like, fading in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you hear smells like teen spirit. And then immediately after, it's just, it's just uh, welcome to my life by simple plan. Like, he's just, <laughs> and, like, when he approaches you, he's got, like, his moth eyes and his wings and everything, and then there's just, like, a single red streak that goes in his hair that floats over his right eye. Like, if you are hiking and you start seeing Blink-182 posters put up against some rocks, you better get out of there. Oh, yeah. Especially if you hear, like, if you're hiking and you just hear, bang, 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 bang. Oh, no. Bang, he's bang. close. Just dip. Just dip. Yeah, just, just dip. go. You're not surviving that journey, okay? <laughs> just, just, just put, throw. And if you want to blend in, if you want to blend in, if you want to blend in, just make sure that you have your marching, your black and white marching band uniform ready to go. Like, just, just have it ready. So I discovered at a. Uh, this is a weird segue. I discovered at this like little get together that I had um, this past Christmas that Welcome to the Black Parade. Um, it triggers an emotional response in like everyone when it comes on. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. So when that first little like ding came on, um, everyone in the room looked at the TV. (laughs) Everyone stopped and looked at the TV. (laughs) Our, our generation has been, Dude, it's been I'm, molded to emotionally respond to angst. Uh, all right, so here's my here's my thing. Welcome to the Black Parade, and this is like a blasphemous thing to say to mm-hmm. some people. But welcome to the Black Parade is this generation's Bohemian Rhapsody. That's just what it is. I mean, everyone knows it. Like, I don't know anyone that doesn't know that song. And, and, and uh, I don't know if you know the backstory of My Chemical Romance by any means, like how they designed their band. So their whole not. concept of being a band was they were going to drop three albums and then call it quits. So they they designed um, I Brought You My Bullets, You Brought Me Your Love, uh, and then Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, and then Black Parade was supposed to be their last hoorah. Like, that was supposed to be, like, the album that was their masterpiece that ended it all. Like, that was the plan all along. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was when, when Gerard wrote um, The Runaways, the comic book, he was like, well, I mean, we don't have to end it there. We can make an album to showcase my new comic book. So they made Danger Days, which is based in the Runaways universe. So it's a, it's a standalone album. I didn't album even know he wrote Runaways. Discovery. I knew he made Umbrella yeah. Academy. Yeah, so his first comic book was The Runaways. And that's why all of the music videos for Danger Days are The Runaways. Oh, so, okay. um, so like, so that album isn't part of like my chemical romance canon, if you will, like the three albums, that is their discography. And then danger days was a promotion. That's why everybody hates danger days. It's because it's a standalone. It's not supposed to be oh. part of the history of my chemical romance. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I yeah, see. that was like, like, and that was, that was how it was designed. Like that was the design of their thing. And if I'm wrong in some my chemical romance, like super fan is like yeah you're wrong you're wrong i'm like i watched an interview with this at some point i don't remember when i watched it or what it was on <laughs> the tagline is, is johnny johnny sasquatch watched an interview <laughs> like below yeah. your name yeah only no, on I, Gaia network 
But like, uh, yeah, I watched an interview on Gaia Network with uh, Gerard Way. <laughs> it was definitely not deep faked, even though they didn't show his face. And he said that exact thing that I just told you. Um, <laughs> now you have to believe it. It was now on Gaia. It. Yeah, it was on Gaia. It's it's the truth. <laughs> well, I guess this podcast is going to turn out to be a questionable guide to Gaia Network. Um, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> hell of a hell of a tagline so far. We have Gaia Network, Moth Squatch, and the comics of Gerard Way. The comics of Gerard Way are amazing too, though. Can we just talk about how amazing of a comic book writer Gerard Way is? Like the Umbrella Gerard- Academy series on Netflix does not do that comic justice by any means. Like I, I, appreciate I love it, it though. I, yeah, I but like, say. but like in terms of the actual comics, like there's so much more action going on in those comics than there is in that show. Like, you know, that's what I've heard. I've never read the comics, but I have dude, heard I I have read the comics. Like, like so, like the opening scene where they do the funeral, and right, like they're not supposed to just like get together and have like a teen angsty fight thing go on. Like they actually go and stop a supervillain after they like reunite. Mm-hmm. Like they go to like a carnival and stop a supervillain. Like in the comic books. That's what happens. I've also heard that the relationship, the like dynamic between like Luther and Allison is not as weird. Oh, it's not as weird at all. They make it very weird in the show. Like I, I'll just outright call them for that. Love the show, but that is a weird dynamic. Dude, it's the Netflix personification of what are you doing, step bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, they're like, they're like, yo, dude, this like, I feel like they were like, yo, we got a fan service hard somehow. We have a gorilla man and a siren. Yeah, we're going to make that happen. We're going to make that happen. Gorilla man, siren together creates Moth Squatch. And this is what needs to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Academy season three, Moth Squatch. It's not even even about Vanya anymore. She's nothing. Moth Squatch is everything. Are you listening, Gerard? Well, I don't even know how they're going to do Umbrella Academy now that Ellen Page is Elliot Page. Um, Elliot Page already said that he was cool with playing the female role of Vanya. That's what I was about to say. But but at the same time, it's like if Elliot Page goes through a really dramatic transition, then it's basically going to be a dude in drag. Um. And it's gonna be it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be sketchy for people, and it's gonna alienate you think a lot of people. Look that different. Well, I mean, my thing is like, if, I mean, it's entirely possible. It is entirely possible, and I'm not saying this to like belittle trans community in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, by I no means. Yeah, fully, I, I understand I what you're saying. Like, Elliot Page's decision to become that he is. But when trans time, people start taking like, like testosterone and things, um, it, like that, their looks will drastically things. change. Yeah. And my whole thing is like is like I I think that Hollywood could pull it off, but at the same time, it's like you're gonna get people who are transphobic and don't accept that are gonna start bailing out of the viewership of that show because of it. And yeah. I'm not saying that it was the wrong decision for him to make. I'm not saying that like like it's just See, you're just you looking at it like objectively it. because yeah. like that's how people are going to be about it. I'm still gonna watch it. And I'm still going to support Elliot Page and whatever he does. Because, Absolutely. 
It doesn't lessen Elliot Page's talents. It doesn't lessen his talent in any way, shape, or form. Very talented. Actually. It's it's just like you know, <laughs> he he's not Juno anymore. You have to accept that. Like, yeah, not like so. I don't know. It's a weird. It's a weird process, and I am. While I I'm not like trans in any way or like a a woman trapped in a man's body, I understand the need for that and the mm-hmm. the chemical that causes that and everything in that and I'm gonna support you through that. Like I don't I'm not gonna stop liking you because you no longer want to be called her and you want to be called and him. Yeah, What's it's that? just when it's a form of media, it kind of changes a dynamic. In yeah, it, cha- it changes a dynamic of something and it it brings identity politics into something that had no identity politics. And it's not a negative on the trans community in any way. It's not a negative on Elliot Page in any way. I'm just looking at it the way that the rest of the world is going to see it. Mm-hmm. That aren't as accepting to LGBTQ rights. Like, it's just, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't- yeah, see, living in the South, I know a lot of people that are going to have a problem with it. I, Without a doubt. Like, I grew up in Virginia, right? Virginia was the capital of Confederacy. I know a lot uh, yeah. of very, very, very racist people. But, like, I don't. I don't hate those racist people to a level where I can't like see the humanity in them either. Mm-hmm. Like, so like if you're preaching acceptance for whatever you do, and then you also don't just like, accept the fact that some people are just going to be who they are and be horrible people about it. Mm-hmm. Like you're not there are gonna some people you just can't change. Yeah. Like, like you're not going to be able to change their opinion of the 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 way they feel about it but you can change their perspective of you you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying so like don't go in and be aggressive towards these people because if you're aggressive towards them then you're proving their stereotype right so what you do is if you like say you're like and this is this is a completely blasphemous like way out there thing so that i could like relate it to me right say you're like a white dude right you're a Mm -hmm. white dude because i'm not going to pick like a specific like minority because I'm a white dude and I understand being a white dude. Like, say you're a white dude mm-hmm. and you live in a country where you're the minority, right? So yeah. like you live in like you know Laos or like somewhere where it's like another race that controls that country, and they're racist towards you because they see white people as these dominators, these thieves, these like you know things. Uh-huh. You show up and you be respectful and you respect their culture. You don't appropriate their culture. You don't pretend like you know everything. You genuinely ask them and talk to them and and treat them like a human being with no preface of anything on it. They're going to like you as a person, whether they like the color of your skin or not. And that's Mm -hmm. that's the relationship we have to build between people when they have disputes is you need to, even if somebody is like a diehard racist, I've seen this a million times, like... Even if you're a diehard racist, like they all have one person that they're not racist towards because that person gave them mutual respect in an aspect. Like I have friends who are like, I like I wouldn't call them friends. I have childhood acquaintances that are like super racist, but they're still cool with all the black kids we went to high school with because yeah. they had this mutual respect and it's growing together. So it's like. Yes, they have their prejudices. Yes, they're they're horrible people when it comes to 
the way they they spew their. But with those kind of people, it's always but there's no way to cute. change their pers- like their perspective on that because that's in a way that's how they were raised around that area, you know, with and their their family's values as well. And it's always going to be conflict when you try to change their point of view on that. So creating a sort of peace is a little helpful in a way. So you don't have to deal with that so much. The whole thing is you're not trying to change their mind on the whole subject. You're trying to change Mm -hmm. their mind on you. And if everybody thinks with that mentality, eventually that will go away because it'll be, Every person sees people at their individual value instead of at what they came into this world being, mm-hmm. you know. And a lot of people will probably say that's fucking that's a stupid idea. That's that's not going to work. But like I've seen it work. There's 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 a story of this guy. I forget his name. He was a black man, and he used to sit down and talk with clan members, like KKK members, and he would talk to them. And he would change their minds slowly over time just by being a good person to them. And, like, he got, like, I think it was something like like 15 clan members back in, like, the height of the clan to over keep up their road. Over 200. His name is yeah. uh, Daryl Davis. And he, and he uses the strategy I just, like, it's, yep. he, he's a human to them. And they're a human back to him. And then they realize, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Because it's little things that will change people's minds. It's, it's, it works like the movie Inception. It starts with the idea of, well, this person's cool. And then this person's cool turns into, well, this person's culture is cool. And then it turns into, well, all these people are cool. And then it turns into, I'm wrong. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's a small little moment that changes that perception in somebody's mind. And you're not going to get that change by walking up to somebody and be like, you're a fucking racist, you're canceled! You're fired from your job. You're That's like, pretty much you know, exactly what it says in uh and I'm just like kind of perusing this little article on how he did it and that's pretty much that's a good summation of what he said. Yeah, like cuz like ruining somebody's life All right, here's my ruining somebody's life and using negative reinforcement is the exact reason why all us kids were fucked up from the early 2000s. Like yeah. Because negative reinforcement solves nothing. Positive reinforcement is the way. Like, getting your ass beat don't solve a damn thing. All it does is make you scared of the person who beat your ass. Like, it doesn't teach you the lesson. Like, yes, you you relate the pain to the negative thing, and yeah, it works in some cases, but destroying somebody's life because they said one racist comment is going to make them even more fucking racist. Because not only do they dislike you from a prejudice standpoint, but now they dislike you because you ruined their life. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's not yeah. like the cancel culture doesn't help anything on these people. And I don't believe in cancel culture is ruining the world or anything. But it's like you have to like it has to be at a certain or you cancel somebody. You can't cancel somebody for one comment. like it has to be a history. It There's this whole thing history. with uh, with cancel culture in and how I see I see it in a very similar light. Um, like with Dan Harmon, the, uh, the co-creator of Rick and Morty um, Community, you know, very talented writer. Um, he made a horrible joke years and years and years ago, um, and it was that little skit about a guy that would like uh, 
like rape pedophiles before they could become pedophiles or something. Um, and it was a really bad yeah. joke, but it was a long time ago. Um, and people just absolutely ripped on him for it, completely canceled him. He left Twitter. Um, he left a lot of forms of social media. Um, and then He's back now, he came, though. he came, yeah, he came back. And then just this past year during COVID, a lot more people that didn't see it before saw it again. And he got canceled a second time and he's had a, he's had a resurgence again. Thankfully, I'm, I'm glad to see him still making stuff, but for him to have had such a blow on his career for something that he made, you know, like 10, 12 years ago that he has apologized for, he apologized. He said it was in really bad taste and yeah, that and he's sorry, but he but still got the other, canceled. The other thing is like, if he had done that same skit through Rick and Morty, nobody would have gave a shit. Yeah, because I, honestly, it's just it's such a backing um, from yeah. those people that really like psychological type things, and Rick and, Rick and Morty is very known and, for that. And like, if you want any any idea of the person that that Dan Harmon actually is, watch Community because yeah. the because the the structure of Community Dan Harmon has said. Through and through, no matter how well Rick and Morty does, Community will always be his master. Um, because, like that show, it it gets it hits all the boxes, checks all the boxes, it pulls on your heartstrings, it makes you laugh. The dynamic it, between me and you reminds me a lot of Troy and Abed. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like it's it's, and you know what's funny is when Dan Harmon wrote the show originally, Troy and Abed weren't supposed to be close like in the show like like mm -hmm. his original plan for it was pierce hawthorne and and troy were supposed to be like the beavis and butthead of the show and they were supposed to be just like absolute dumbass and they were supposed to like go off each other like mm -hmm. that was the original plan for the show and then on the halloween episode where abed was batman and troy was like michael jackson or whatever and they did their little like uh, their little tag at the end for the credits mm -hmm. um it was just troy that it was just uh, Donald Glover and Danny Pudi just like free freestyling as their characters, and like the audience loved it so much the back and forth they had that Dan was like they're best friends now. This is the start of it, and it was what like a, so what like, a beautiful conception. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that tag. That tag is like my favorite. I'll show you ever like dreamy wake up as a cookie and like you want to eat yourself. But you like, but I die. But you like, still take a bite anyways. <laughs> like, like the dialogue in that yeah. is hilarious. <laughs> and I was just like, and honestly, like, without community, we wouldn't have childish Gambino either, because like he talks about it all the time. Like he, when he would make like he made his mixtapes or whatever, he showed them to the cast of Community first, and they were like, chase this. They were like, do this. Like, this is what you need to do. And they were all super supportive of him because Dan Harmon brought those guys together and made them a family because Dan didn't yeah. care about the network and all the money and all that stuff. He cared about... I'm sure you've heard of, like, the the Chevy Chase, like, versus community thing. Like, yeah, he has not thought of fondly. <laughs> but my whole thing is, like, it's because Chevy Chase... <laughs> Dan Harmon, <laughs> Dan Harmon had this funny... I was watching a panel on... Because I'm a community super fan. 
Like I mm-hmm. really am. Uh, I was watching a panel on community and it was, they got to Dan Harmon and they were, they were talking to him and he was like, he's like, you know, when you work with somebody like Chevy, Chevy, you know, he's a, he's a, you know, self, self-called legend. And he's like, Oh, sorry, sorry. He's a legend. Uh, it's one of my ticks. Uh, I just say self, self-proclaimed a lot. Uh, it's, I say it before things like, this is a self-proclaimed sandwich, you know? <laughs> and the backhanded smartass comment, have you died? Love that. But, like, the thing is, you got to keep in mind is, like, Chevy Chase worked with the greats of comedy. Like, you can't, you can't hold it against him that he's a little bit, you know, kooky. Or a little bit like yeah yeah absolutely uh jim carrey is kind of wild now well jim carrey's just super aware of reality at this point like he's just he's he's like he's gotten to the point now where he's like his whole thing is like he wants the world to be good again like that's his whole yeah, I watched the um the episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Jim Carrey, and that was the first time I had seen Jim Carrey in anything in like years. And he had like the beard going on. He was this like he looked like this disheveled painter because there were all these paintings he had made like all around him in his studio. And it was like I was just kind of thinking, what happened? Like it's it's cool that he's like very you know very inner peace now and you know and how he is but how did he get there where was the transition i i don't like honestly i i think it's just it's just he reached a point in his life because jim all right so let me put preface this by jim carrey has always been that way in a certain extent like he didn't get his start um you know for being a white guy in a hospital anything like that he got his start from playing he, i mean he's white known role. as being erratic no but he got he got his start by playing a white role in a predominantly black skit show so he's really? always been on huh. yeah because he was in, in living color he was in the show in living color that was like big break with jamie fox and like a bunch of the other like big name black comedians that we know now that were on that skit show and so like he didn't start in the traditional white like you know rich kid way into you know show business like he didn't start mm-hmm. that way he started out on a predominantly black skit show so he's always been a part of that counterculture of like hey the way we look at the world is right. he's always been a part of that and people are just now realizing it's not that he's done this drastic change jim carrey has always been an advocate for for the underdog per se like he's always been that and it's just now he's more vocal about making paintings and he's like really pushing those issues because now he's in a position where his voice matters you know see yeah it's always interesting to learn things like that about yeah and uh, and if you've ever watched in little color it is an absolute fantastic skit show it is amazing i love it to death speaking of a a skit show and and people being canceled and not being canceled and such uh i don't know if you've ever seen um mr show oh yeah Mr. Show. yeah so i don't know um if you had seen back in 2015 there was a show on netflix called with bob and david and David Cross and Bob Odenkirk got back together yeah. for like a four episode special. And they, <laughs> David Cross did blackface. Um, 
they they did so much crazy stuff and oh yeah their way of not getting canceled was just not apologizing because it you know for them basically what they're putting out there is a joke is a joke we're not trying to push a social issue we're trying to tell a joke yeah and i think uh you know what's funny is whenever i think about it I'm like when I hear like punk kids and stuff like try to cancel people or like like because I have a lot of punk friends and stuff, I'm like, did you ever listen to a Subhumans album like at all? Like the song Mickey Mouse is Dead is literally about you know canceling comedians and taking the fun out of the world because you're offended by what they say. Like that is literally the basis of that song, and that song was written way back in the day. So, like, they saw this coming from a mile off. Can we also throw out here um, Avenged Sevenfold's A Little Piece of Heaven? It's about necrophilia. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what I'm <laughs> but, saying is, like... Know, just saying, like... But with, like, Mickey Mouse is Dead, like, that was... But they were thinking that it was going to be the government that was going to do it. And then it ended up being the movement they were part of now in the future has swapped into that role of being this oligarchical, like, fascist thing. And I'm not saying that you're a fascist if you believe in cancel culture. I'm just saying that, like, uh, yeah, politically speaking and, like, the the things you're advocating for and the things you t- are, are positives, but even a positive, if forced on somebody, can be a form of oppression. Like, it's it's not a... Yeah, it's, it's the whole concept yeah. of forcing someone like onto something it's it's that form of this may sound cheesy but it's that form of kind of like mental hacking in a way that you're you're pushing something so much on someone you know that you're trying to completely change their core beliefs and that's that's very oppressive and if i were to tell you someone was being really racist um and they they were trying to push that on you to make you racist that sounds really oppressive doesn't it yeah, but if I were to if I were to turn it around and say there's those people that are racist and instead of trying to positively change that you're bashing them you're canceling them you're you're being hateful that's that's going to completely fail because that's also oppressive. Yeah. So the the the, the fact of the matter is without and the thing is like um the way that the media and things are nowadays is they, they push the division, like the synthetic division between people. Mm -hmm. And so now it's like, we we used to be like when we were teenagers, you used to have like genuine debates with people and they were healthy and you talked about it and you learned things from each other. And like, you just went on. Oh yeah. Many times in my life. But now it's become, this is my idea. And then they're like, Oh, this is my counterpoint. And you're like, well, you're fucking stupid. Like we don't even like this. And then it's name calling and yeah. Just hatefulness. There's no discussion. There's no discussion. There's no. There's no. Well, like, what? What information do you have to back that? And like, yeah. Instead of like, let me convince you. You know, at least you know to see my point of view on why that's wrong, yeah. or tell me your point of view that might convince me. You know, why my point of view might be wrong. And it's and it's on. I, both I appreciate sides. those discussions, but you don't get that. And the, and the worst part is, it's on both sides. So even yeah. like. If you're a member, I'm not going to, I see, I'm not going to distinguish party lines right now. I'm not going to say what my political view is. But even if you were on like a positive as hell platform, right? Or mm-hmm. like like in the eyes of so many, a positive as hell platform, 
and it's like a human rights advocated platform or whatever, if you're like fighting for human rights and then you cuss somebody out and call them stupid and, and like less educated and all this stuff, you're no longer on your human rights platform because you're taking this person's right to be a dumbass away. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not yeah. like either you're all inclusive or you're or you're just an asshole. Like that's the that's the way it works. Like there is no gray area in human rights. Either you believe in human rights or you don't believe. There is no gray area. Like you can't nitpick human rights. So if yeah. it, and, and, and it comes from the way that I see it from having served in the military and being a soldier is like when people were freaking out about the kneeling for the anthem stuff, my whole thing was like, yeah, well, I go and I get shot and I die for people's right to kneel for that anthem. dude. I could give a shit less. Like what you do with mm-hmm. the freedom that we fight for, it's your freedom to do it as you choose. So I never saw it as a disrespectful thing to me when they knelt for the flag in any way. I was like, that's not, it's not disrespectful. It is the most peaceful way that you could protest that like ever. It is the most peaceful protest I've ever seen of a system that oppresses you. Like it's, yeah. it's he's not lighting the flag on fire. He's still in a respectful position because that's the position you pray to your gods in or whatever. They're just trying in. to sort of reinforce the point that there are still yeah. people being oppressed. Yeah, they're just saying that I am not standing because there are some who cannot stand. It is full on a form of positive reinforcement that, you know, there is still oppression. And the whole whole using soldiers to justify your idea was blasphemy to me because it's like soldiers don't have a political allegiance, man. Like, we're not supposed to. Yes, we have our political beliefs, but when we put on the uniform, we show up to work. That shit stays behind in the fucking car. Like, we don't, we don't bring that shit into work. I've worked with Democrats. I've worked with Republicans. I've worked underneath presidents of both parties. And when I showed up Mm -hmm. to work, my job was the exact same fucking thing. It didn't matter who was Whether red or blue, sir, is sir. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you're... And people need to think that in everyday life because now it's become an idea of like Bloods versus Crips when it comes to politics. Mm -hmm. That's really what it is now. It's it's a battle of like, I'm going to vote for my party instead of I'm going to vote for my conscience. It's very hard to be centric. Now, I have, I've definitely realized this as I've formed, you know, political beliefs and everything. Um, and I, I am very centric. And people, you know, that I talk to about that will, I'll hear that it's a cop out, that I don't, I just don't want to take a side. But it's not about taking a side. I believe what I believe and you know, that's what it's about. I have every right to believe that I don't have to like, you know, align myself to one faction essentially. And my whole thing about being like center, like, and I'm not saying like Americanized centralist, like Mm -hmm. I'm talking about global centrist. Like, like I, I fully support applications of socialism across the world because of the environment that they're brewed in they work for that country like the nordic model works great for fucking norway but at the same time i also realize that the nordic model will not work for america because america has a very different social politics spectrum that will not support that 
Like, because in Norway, they're raised with mutual respect, and they respect each other, and they treat each other like human beings and stuff like that, right? They do that. From the moment you're born in the United States, you are taught that you are different, your neighbor is different. Exactly. You know, treat them as such, essentially. And the Nordic model dates all the way back to, like, the Viking Age. So, yeah. like, that and, has been their system for so long, and that's why it works so well, is because it's how their country was built in the first fucking place. Like, so, we founded ours on, fuck you, don't tell me what to do. So, if you form a government strategy for this country that tells people what to do, they are not going to receive it. Not like, at all. straight up. And, and I'm not saying this, like, as, like, a it's never going to happen thing. I'm saying is it, it, until until we change the culture of our country as a whole, things that are like that system will not work for us because we have to change our culture before we can change the system. And changing the system won't yeah, change that's, that's the That's a solid point. Like, and changing the system won't be the step to change the culture. Changing the culture starts from the way we raise our kids. And the cool thing is, because now we're the generation that's raising children, we can teach this to them. We're not going to fix the world for us now in our generation. Like That was predetermined by our parents. But what we can do is we can train the world now to be the world we want it to be. And and people don't get that. They want it to be fixed now because we're impatient and entitled. I heard this excellent point that someone made about previous generations and, and our current generation. Um, like, let's say, uh, you know, this person was at a, uh, in this little story they gave, they're at a cash register um, at a store that they worked at. And generally, older people had a problem with it, it when they said, thank you. And you said, no problem or no worries. Um, because for us, it's just, okay, it, it was not a problem. No, you know, no worries. But to them, it's like they didn't say, you're welcome. You know, it's it's more of an entitlement that older generations feel that we don't just give to everyone. Like it's if something's not a problem, it's not a problem to us, it, and that's yeah. all it means. There's no disrespect behind that. Um, yeah. But for older generations, there is this sense of entitlement. Like you will give me respect. Um, whereas this sort of newer generation we have is. You know, if you're respectful to me, I'm going to be respectful to you. Like, there's there's no reason to, you know, that I should put you on a, you know, on a pedestal. Yeah. For, you know, for me doing a favor for you. You know, but, yeah, like, I respect you. And that's, I like that. I really like that. Yeah. But the whole thing, the idea is, like, our generation has become so informal with how we react, mm-hmm. interact with each other. We're more open and receptive a lot more laid back and laid back whereas the the older generations are founded on this tradition they're founded on respect your elders and like implied respect and the problem is we were we were raised by people who demanded respect and demanded things from us so naturally when something is forced upon you even if it's a positive as respecting your elders you're going to rebel from that. Like you're, you're going to be like, no, like you have to earn respect. So if you're respectful to me, I'll give you respect in return, but don't expect it to be formal. Don't expect it to be a formality because it's me genuinely being a person to you instead of me respecting you out of obligation. 
which I think is a greater form of respect than an ob- obligatory respect. Like, it's a yeah. greater form of respect for me to genuinely respect. There's no sense in going around feeling like everyone owes you a favor. And when, you know, when you place your order at a food place, you know, um, they're entitled, you know, you're entitled for them to say, you know, you're welcome in like a very formal manner. You know, there's because I, I do see that. Like, I, you know, older people being like, oh, that's so disrespectful. And in my head, you know, I just think, what what was disrespectful about that? About this is just a that was a normal exchange between two people. And why yeah. are you getting bent out of shape about it? And, and I guess it's like, I don't know. Our generation was just raised raised in like a weird bubble. Um, that's really what it was. Like the millennials, we were raised in such a weird bubble because we had the world at our fingertips for the first time as a generation ever. And you know, While we grew, growing up, but like our thing is like we also grew up with, you know, we were the last generation to play outside, like, and that be the only entertainment we had. And then yeah. somewhere halfway through our life, we 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 got amazing online video games, and we got amazing, you know, MySpace, and like, you know, ranking your friends on websites, and and everything became building a brand. So we went from yeah. ha- not having a care in the world playing street hockey with our friends to like, oh, crap, I have to build a brand around. Me. Yeah, I have to somehow become a mogul. But at the same sort. time, but at the same time, it was super easy for us to build those brands because we had the world out it. So we had already established who we were as a person. Exactly. And as it was built, we got to see it, you know, build yeah. and learn alongside it. Yeah. And but the problem the new generation had. They didn't get that first half of their life where they were able to be confident in who they were as a person to build mm-hmm. that brand. So now that's why we have so much higher rates of depression in children, depression in teenagers and stuff is because they they come into this world building a brand and not knowing who the hell. Yeah, you have to you really have to learn who you are before you jump into stuff like that. And I have seen it, especially um, in uh, my younger sister um, has a lot of anxiety. And and she, she is uh, essentially having to figure herself out in a world full of people that have already figured things out, and that's scary. Especially yeah. this whole past year, going to school online, having such limited interaction with people. We have we now have a lot of people that are very reclusive and there's nothing wrong with being reclusive. I can be reclusive, but you have people that really don't know how to interact with other people now after so long, because they're so young, you know, they've now developed this like sense of like, okay, everything's online. Everything is digital. Yeah. And it's the, the problem with it is, is, it's it's literally the idea that fucking ones and zeros that tell you that somebody enjoys who you are as a person on the internet more important than actually meeting that person in person and just having a oh yeah like it's gotten to the point where it's like uh people are so worried about uh how how amazing their instagram is that they're going to disney world and taking a bunch of pictures to like, be like, I'm at Disney World, but they're not actually like experiencing Disney World. Yeah, they're and taking like, pictures at Disney World. It's like, it's like, yeah, you're doing the same thing you do every day in a new location, and you're learning nothing, and you're not enjoying the moment because you're so worried about 
how this will help your presence on the internet. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's, that's like the main reason why, like, when I'm on Facebook or I'm on Instagram, it's usually like months between when I post something or I... I'm terrible about Instagram. I haven't posted yeah. in such a long time. Dude, I haven't made a post on my video gaming Instagram since February. Like, Ooh. and like, that's something that I'm like, I love doing and I love building a brand around. But at the same time, I was like, it's not a priority. Like, yeah, it's not a priority to me. A priority to me is, you know, actually enjoying the game that I play. I'm not constantly seeking content to create yeah. for that game. I'm playing the game because I enjoy playing the game. And if I find something See, that's along, exactly follow, the platform I that I, I try to be on. In uh, when I you know when I record anything in a game that I'm playing, I just want to see, I want to show people me enjoying something. Essentially, I'm not yeah. doing it so other people will enjoy it. It's just me having fun and laughing with my friends, and I'm sharing it with other people. I'm like, you know, here I hope you like this, but I didn't do it, you know, because I'm hopeful. It's just I hope you enjoy this. Yeah, and it's the same thing with That's, this podcast. Yeah. This podcast is yeah. just like. We have funny conversations and we have genuine like human connection conversations. And we're like, you know what? Uh, every time we get somebody in on a conversation with us, they're always like, yo, like that was crazy. That was a great conversation. I enjoyed every moment of it. And we were like, well, let's share these conversations that we have all the time with other people. And, see yeah, and hope that people, people, you know, like yeah. it or, and if they don't, that's within their right. I'm not doing this to, to impress people, I just hope that they laugh and and maybe take something in because I I learn things from you every time I talk to you. So that just tells me that there is something to learn there for other people. So you know, hopefully they learn something. Hopefully they get some laughs in. That's the whole point of this. And my and my whole thing is like it's like I I love learning new stuff, whether it's mm-hmm. useful information, useless information how many movies Nicolas Cage has starred in that had bees featured in them. I don't care like what it is. I like learning new things like, you know, and, and my whole thing is like, I also like sharing those things with whether they know it already or not. That's fine. Like if you already know something that I share, like all it is, is just reminding you that, you know, it. like it's not a, it's not an attack on you as an intelligence thing. That's the another thing yeah. that I notice about people is like you'll try to teach them something new and they'll see it as you thinking they're stupid, as opposed to you being like, "Hey, I found this cool information. Please let me tell you about it." They and then they get as, mad and they're like, yeah. "I don't need my hand held." Like, and it's I, like, I'm and, not trying to and, do that. And it's it's like, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to say you don't know this stuff. I'm just saying everything I know about the subject so that you. Maybe if you missed something in what you know about it, can pull the piece that you didn't know from what I said about. And it's yeah, I might explain the dumb, like base level knowledge of something in the explanation I'm giving, but that's just in case you forgot one of the basics. Not because I think you're stupid and you don't know the basics of it. I'm like, hey, yeah, you definitely want to set it up for a listener as well, um, because not everyone's going to know everything that you talk about. Yeah, exactly. So for those people that are uninformed, having that that basic little bit is helpful. Yeah, and and I ha- I've had and I find this like more so like not on the podcast spectrum, but on like just the genuine like when I talk to somebody that I know, 
or like friends or anybody like that. And they're like, Hey man, I need help with this or, or something. Or they're like talking about a subject. Hey, I had to do this dumb thing with my phone bill or whatever. I'm like, Oh, well you could have done this workaround and done all this stuff and this and that and this. And then they're like, what are you saying? Like I made the wrong choice. I was like, no, I was just giving you another option on the spectrum. Like this is another thing you could have done. Like, I'm not telling you you're stupid and you made the wrong decision. I was just saying like, could have solved this in another way. And, Maybe next time you'll use this way instead of that way. And it's not a, your decision was wrong, my decision was right thing. It's, a, it's just a, hey, look at it from this perspective as well. You know? And it's, it's like, it's like, like, I feel like my entire life is playing devil's advocate. But like, not in like an intentional way. You yeah, know? see, you're, you're trying to get something, you know, good across, but... A, a lot of people take a lot of things the wrong way. There's there's no right way I've discovered to say anything because there's always going to be someone that's mad about something. And what I I'd imagine should this pick up and get more popular at some point someone's going to someone's going to tweet me or someone's going to message me on Facebook and I'd be pissed about something that I talked about. And I didn't even mean for them to get pissed about it. But Well, my whole thing is just, if- it's going to happen. Dude, if people send me hate mail, I'm going to tell you 100%, I'm probably not even going to like, read it. Like, yeah, and it's I, not going to ruin my day. open it up, and like the subject's already not like, fuck you or something, and I, and I open it up, and if I see like just negativity immediately opening up, I'm just going to close it. Like, I don't, I just don't have time for that. I'm, I'm making this so I can have fun conversations with you, and hopefully people will enjoy it. Yeah, and my whole thing is, like, you do not have to agree with me anything. Like, I do not care what your political view is, what your personal and social view is, or, like, how you see the world. You're a human being, and I love you because you exist. I do not care, like, if you're, like, fucking Adolf Hitler of new people. If you've done nothing wrong to me, and you have not done anything completely fucked up to somebody that I love, I don't hate you inherently. Like, you have to really hurt me on a personal level for me to hate you. And and the other thing is, like, hate comes from a place of love in general. So in order for you to hate somebody, you had to have loved them. So if I received hate, then all I think of is my love failed you. Yeah. Like, my love failed you if you hate me. It's not because It's not because I'm a bad person or because you took something the wrong way. What it is is the love that I gave out to you in this world and the love you had for me has changed and now it's a negative. And that's fine. That's a perfectly normal human response to things. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to hate you back because it's not, it's not a thing that I do. I, I, I harbor. That's that's the beauty of objectivity really is that you're looking at things objectively so that you can, you know, you can take in all these points of view and all this information and decide for yourself how you feel about them, you know, later on. Like anytime I talk to you about something, if you have a differing view than me, I'm not going to sit here and judge you for that differing view. I'm going to take that in and consider it um, because I try to be objective. And, you know, there are a couple things I can't stay objective on. Like, of course, that, that nobody can, you know, human rights being one of those things. Yeah, um, but you're objective with people, and that's an yeah. important thing. Like, I don't, I don't hate you as a person for your viewpoint. I hate your view. There's a difference. There's yeah. a difference in that yeah. because even though we have a differing opinion on a very important subject and a very important issue, 
if we don't talk about that issue, I still enjoy you as a person. So you're still yeah. a good person to me. I don't That's care. Why like, there are certain friends I have that I just I avoid talking about politics or religion with them because it's a hot button issue. Yeah, but I can and, still appreciate them as a person outside of that. I treat I just treat it like I'm in an Irish pub. All right, the Irish pub rule is you don't talk about religion, you don't talk about politics, get hammered with a bunch of, bunch of the guys. That is the Irish pub viewpoint on life. And like, like yes, we, and yes, we talked about politics in here a little bit, but that's just because it was more of a, it was more of a, a, a like an observation than mm-hmm. this is my point of view. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. pushing any political spectrum on anybody. I just, I like, I, I look at it from both, both viewpoints every time when it comes to politics. And that's the thing about so, uh, about being, you know, so centric is you do have to look at both sides, and like there are those viewpoints that are typical with both you know with with one side rather than the other like the topic of a abortion is more of a you know a blue you know topic as far as you know support and a red topic as far as against so you do have to kind of as a, a centrist look at those things and you do have to kind of choose things that lean more towards you know one side but overall hey, but here is views from both yeah and and this was this is the most uh the most like observant viewpoint I've ever seen on that particular issue. And it's mm-hmm. not, and I'm not pushing this as my viewpoint or any, or like any viewpoint you should strive for. But mm-hmm. the one that always resonated with me as an argument for that is you can be pro-life and pro-choice at the same time. It is not an issue that is black and white and you have to pick one side on it. You can be pro-life with your own offspring, but still be pro-choice for other people. Because it's their life, their choice, their thing, right? But you could be and this pro-life. this is directly affecting your life. This is directly affecting... No, like, like this is an issue that I, I, have, I have experience in, okay? Because yeah. I, have, I have been through the process of abortion with uh, a previous relationship. I have gone through this process. And it is not an easy choice for somebody to make by any means. And to think that it's this violent act of like irresponsibility or whatever it is it's not a it's not that way to these people it is a very painful process it is a very sacrificial process yeah. physically a, emotionally mentally it is and, painful it it's it's terrible and being and going through all that pain and that process called a monster is terrible like it's terrible. Yeah, no one wants to go through something horrible and then get called a monster on the but other it, side. But on the same token, it's like I was not, I was not okay with it, me personally, because I valued life at the time. So, but my thing was like I was pro life when it came to my own children. Okay, but I'm never going to take away that choice from somebody else. Because I don't know their situation. I don't know what, how, why they're doing it. I don't know yeah. how baby was conceived. Exactly. And on top of anything. that, it is not my right to decide in your situation. Exactly. That is your situation, and, not and mine. That's, and that's where it boils down to that same topic we were talking about earlier. A positive, when pushed on somebody, is still a negative. Like, it's just yeah. that's how it is. A, and... What you need to realize is, yes, like you can hold all life sacred, and that is a perfectly good viewpoint on the world. And there, there are people like that on both sides of the spectrum that hold life sacred. 
but at the same time, expecting everybody in the world to share that view is a childish notion. It's it's a very childish line of thought to think that everybody in the world cares about everybody equally. It's not. That is a perfect world utopian scenario that will never happen. Yeah, and that's just it's objectively incorrect to think that everyone could think in the exact same way. And that's the beauty that's, of the world too. That is like the is, thing that makes that this difference world more is, yeah. That those differences are what makes you you. Like you without like your, you know, your humor, the things you're interested in and just the way you carry yourself, you wouldn't be Johnny. Exactly. And 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 yes, I talk a lot and I am a very loud and outspoken person and very opinionated on why this is the perfect things. platform for you and i'm very opinionated on certain things but at no point was that is that opinion that i have that opinionated thing that i have not subject to change like and that's the thing that yeah. I, I i i strive for is i like learning new things and you're being mindful never... of yourself at the same time because you're you're accepting that a viewpoint that you have could completely change and it, yeah. it's good to be mindful of yourself like, like that like perfect case of point perfect case of point when i was a kid i absolutely hated the goo goo doll right i hated them as band i did not like listening to them whatsoever when i was a kid but now that i'm older and i can listen to the lyrics and i can understand everything they were saying in their songs i fucking love them like it's it's, but it's not, and, and it wasn't like I just turned them off and like never listened to them again because I established that opinion, which is the main problem people have nowadays. They pick their opinion, that's their opinion. They will never change it. Like, and it's like, dude, opinions, opinions are flexible, man. Like, yeah, you, that's it, why it's an opinion. Yeah, it's it's not a fact. Like, it is not set in stone. It is not a fact. Your opinion is your opinion, and it is subject to change. Fact cannot change. That is the difference between opinion and fact. And the problem is people do not discern the two from each other anymore. They take their opinions as fact and facts as opinion. Yeah. That's really what it boils down to. And it's it's training yourself to stop giving a shit. That's that's the main yeah. thing. Is, is people give give too much of a shit about everything. And yes, it's... You it's, really gotta pick your battles and decide... <laughs> you know where you want to die essentially because like there's there's just so much conflict in so many different areas and really anything man you go you go in a group of writers and someone is going to have a very aggressive opinion on something um and there's no reason for that like (laughs) be open-minded at least hear what other people have to say uh, you know before you're going to set your opinion in stone because in no topic ever will you have heard every side. Someone's oh, yeah. always going to have, you know, some different perspective on something. Like, you and I could like the same album and have a totally different idea of what it was about at the end of it. You know, oh, yeah. so so in sharing those perspectives, it really opens your eyes to, you know, what something could be. Yeah, and my, my whole thing is like, like, and I, I get, I get it. We're getting real deep into, it. we're getting real yeah, like, philosophical and stuff. But like, <laughs> I'm going to end the philosophical segment here with this one quote that I, I, I like totally made up off the top of my head the other day, and it might be pulled from somewhere else subliminally or whatever. But I was talking to my buddy who, like, his his girlfriend of three years just left him, 
and I had just I just recently like you know finished my separation from my divorce and like got all the paperwork whatever and I was talking to him and he was like he was like telling me like uh, like all the feelings that I felt when it first started right and and I was just like well here's here's the realization that I took and the way that I put it was just so perfect I t- I said to him I was like you need to just like be yourself and enjoy the current moment and stuff and like live in that moment, feel that joy and feel the happiness around you, but still feel the pain. The pain needs to be there because it's one of your, it's one of the things that is going on with you. It demands, you need to, but if you look at life like a puzzle, stop forcing that last piece into it. Don't force the last piece into your puzzle because it's not the end image on the puzzle it's all the pieces along the way that build that and if you're focused on getting to that last piece all the other pieces that you just made to make this magical image and it's like enjoy the pieces don't stress the end image like don't do it because then you force it to fit and forcing something to fit you're going to miss out on so much along it's like and those people that start puzzles from the center first. Oh, dude, you always do the borders absolute, first. Absolute yeah. madness with those people. Madmen. <laughs> Madmen. Can you imagine opening up a puzzle and you're like, you know what? This thousand piece puzzle, we're gonna do the we're gonna do the bird that's to the center left first. And it's like the whole thing <laughs> is a bird. <laughs> you're like, do the borders! <laughs> Look, nah, the bird. <laughs> and, and this is not to shame center puzzle people. Okay, this is not to shame center puzzle people. But you guys are crazy. Yeah, that's the madness that I can't get behind. You Dude, do like, you, but I can't. I, I I'm telling you, man. Like Charles Manson definitely started his puzzles from the middle. Okay, like <laughs> Ted Ted Bundy yeah. center left. I'm telling you, Ted Bundy yeah. center left. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They started trying to figure out how to get out of the labyrinth from like two rows over from the start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have no they're idea the, where to go. They're yeah. the guys who, when they do a maze on a piece of paper, they start from the end. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> the, the end starters. It sounds so much more dark than it actually is. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the, the end starters. The world's most dangerous supervillain. The Supreme! <laughs> <laughs> Who can stop the end starters? <laughs> Someone's got to. The paper companies have really... And then all I don't know if paper you, companies have, have mazes still in there. And all of a like, sudden you just see that like that superhero flash like like explosion. And it's just Moth Squatch, the hero! Moth Squatch! <laughs> <laughs> Mosquatch always starts from the beginning of the maze. He has he has common sense. Oh yes, yes. But yeah. but the, the problem is Mosquatch also has the capability to phase through walls. So I mean, everything. yeah. So the line is actually completely straight. Yeah, it's just a straight line through every line. Yeah. And like uh, the crazy part is, he doesn't even start at the beginning of the uh, the maze on the paper. He starts from the first page of the paper. Yeah, like he just yeah, like just, passes it's one long line. Dimensions. Of like you know he passes through the third dimension of a two dimensional world, and then just yeah. appears at the end of his his, his maze. You know, yeah, so that's that. how it works for him. Yeah, yeah. The moral of the story is don't fuck with moths. 
Yeah, that's it. If you are an end starter, you will probably see Mothsquatch at some point. And it was your doing. It's your fault. You did and, this. But but the good news is you'll be listening to the greatest emo hits of the early 2000s as you die. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he does so, have a, know, an entire soundtrack. But I, my dream is if I ever get Mothsquatch that, uh, you know... Uh, Taking Back Sunday is playing when I when I go to die, and it's just the line of like the truth is you could slit my throat, and with my one last gasping breath, I apologize, bleeding on your shirt. Do we have to cut this? (laughs) Are we? Wait, legally, I think it's like fifteen seconds. (laughs) I don't think that was fifteen seconds. I think we're good. Yeah, yeah. So we're good. We're fine. Yeah. That. I okay, well, well, here, I'm going to say it. Them. I'm going to say it as just the lyrical content without saying okay. Just in case. Spoken word? Cut. Yeah, spoken word. Oh, all right. It's, it's the line the line of taking back today where it's like, the truth is you can slip my throat. And with my yeah. one last gasping breath, I'd apologize for bleeding on your shirt because that is the most me thing ever. Somebody could literally murder me. I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry, dude. That was a really nice shirt. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I am so sorry. And they're like standing over you with a shotgun. They're like, what are you talking about? Dude, I apologize. What? I I apologize way too much in arguments, man. Like I'll say some like really vicious, like clapback shit to somebody. I'm like, I'm so sorry, man. Like that was uncalled for. Yeah, I really didn't mean that, bro. But they're they're still offended by it. And the sorry just makes it worse. (laughs) Because then they realize that it was a backhanded comment. Even harder, and they're just like, "I'm so sorry. I just, I just want to be friends." <laughs> I didn't mean for it to be like this. Oh, and dude, my sense of humor gets me in so much trouble. So oh yeah, trouble. yeah, dude. I man, <laughs> people have gotten sideways with me over some jokes I've told, and like, I will, I will have a dream about it three years later and feel bad for it for about two weeks. Oh, dude, um, I have that. Like... <laughs> I have that so much. Like, I'll just be like. Dude, that one time I told that kid his hair head looked like a ferret, and and now I feel really guilty about it, even though it was third grade and I didn't even know. And like, I'll just think about stuff like that. Or like, I'll think about like times when like somebody was being like absolutely horrible to me, and I was like, and I'll think of the clap back like twenty three years later, and I'm like, why didn't I use that? Yeah. <laughs> here's here's a good example of this. I don't know why I frequently think about this. This is like. Just the, maybe I'm like super messed up in some way because I think about how minuscule this was. But like, I sometimes I will have this dream of like when I was on vacation in Florida, we went to this restaurant called Fuddruckers. And I uh, love Fuddruckers. Fuddruckers yeah. is the greatest. And my dad the got this like, it was like this big basket of wings. And I like grabbed one and ate it. And I was, I was like, wait a minute. This isn't an appetizer. This is your food, isn't it? And he was like, yeah, but he 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 didn't care. But I felt bad about it, and I'll occasionally I'll have a dream about that, and then I'll wake up and I'll feel bad about it, and I'm like, I ate a fucking wing, <laughs> and here I am, like seven <laughs> years later, feeling bad about that wing, <laughs> dude. No, but while we're on the topic of Fuddruckers, like I grew up in a town that had a Fuddruckers. Okay, oh, like, yeah, like yeah. we had a Fuddruckers. And, and and like the, the the tradition in my family was on your birthday you got to pick where we ate dinner all right and for four years running 
I picked Fuddruckers, and I got the same exact thing every time. It was a foot-long hot dog. And the way they do their hot dogs is they cut them in half, like like along the length of them, and like lay yeah. them on like garlic toast bun. Oh, and they're so good. And like I have, I, I have, I have not had Fuddruckers in so long, but I still remember the taste of that hot dog <laughs> because it's so ingrained in my childhood. And like anytime I see a Fuddruckers, I need a, I need a hot dog. Like time now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I had never even heard of the place. Um, apparently, isn't there also like a Mudruckers or something? I have no idea. Um, it's kind of like the Hardee's versus Carl's Jr. debate. Like, it's the same restaurant, and it's just different names because originally they were two separate restaurants and they merged, and then Hardee's kept their locations, and Carl's Jr. kept their locations. They just have the same logo. Yeah. You know? But like they have pretty much the same menu. Like I mean, there's there's subtle differences between the two of them because of regional choices. But they're the mm-hmm. same restaurant. Like if I go to a Carl's Jr. out here on the West Coast, same as Hardee's from back home. It's just missing. Like it's just like the Monster Biscuit is built different. Like the Monster Biscuit back home has chicken on it, and the one over here doesn't because it's just a oh. regional taste. Like it's it's that thing. Like so, yeah. It's it really just boils down to regional stuff. And the one thing that I think needs to happen for the world to unite in world peace is there needs to be a Waffle House in every neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, Waffle House is just the unspoken king. Um, there's two within five miles of me. Um. <laughs> I have I have zero. Um, I have zero. But, like, I oh, have... Man. So, so, fun fact, my dad used to work at a Waffle House when I was, like, college age my dad worked at a waffle house as a, a line cook oh, right on so you got redneck so, hibachi all the time yeah redneck hibachi all the time but the thing is when my dad quit he gave me his waffle house hat so i have a waffle house hat and i wear it out here all the time and everybody's like Hell man yeah. i miss waffle house like it is the ultimate conversation starter hat I, like i've never run into somebody's like oh fucking waffle house is gross like i've never run into every time somebody comments about waffle, waffle house, house is old reliable like Waffle House is never closed, uh, dude. I, I and, and Waffle House and Waffle House. If you are listening to our podcast for some sheer dumb reason, I will take a sponsorship. Waffle yeah, House, please. Waffle, Waffle House, House sponsor us. Um, because like my go-to is like, <laughs> and everybody thinks I'm crazy about this. When I go to Waffle House, I don't even order a waffle. All right, I don't. I either. go to Waffle House. I go to Waffle House and I order a cheeseburger. Does not matter Their what burgers hour of the are day it is. so good. It's I like the greasiest mess, but it's the best greasy mess you've ever had. Yeah, I, I order a cheeseburger with an egg on it every time. Oh yeah, good every old, time. little breakfast burger. Yeah, a little a little Royale. Yeah, Royale with cheese. Royale you know? with cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, my thing is like I'll get the the hash brown steak bowl with two over easy eggs on top. That's like my thing. I get it every time I go to Waffle House. It's been a tradition for years. And it started actually probably like four years ago. It was Thanksgiving, oddly enough. And I was like, I don't want Thanksgiving food. And so I went to Waffle House that night, had that for the first time, changed everything. I then went like the next Thanksgiving and like once on Christmas. Like Waffle <laughs> House is about it. They're never closed. And they're like, everyone's always like, disgruntled and then there's like a few cheerful people 
Like those cheerful people carry the restaurant. They call you darling and stuff. Oh and yeah. And then there's like the disgruntled fry cook who like he'll just like grunt out things and the waitresses understand what he's saying. Oh yeah, absolutely. And my thing yeah. is my thing is like Waffle House has forever ruined my taste buds in like a way that I love because now like I can drink straight up like truck stop coffee while eating a burger and it's perfectly fine to my taste bud. Like yeah, like, <laughs> this is familiar to me. <laughs> it's like a special place in my heart where I'm like, yes, a this special coffee, questionable place. This this coffee complements the grease of this burger so greatly. I enjoy this moment. The coalition of flavors that has encompassed my the taste The pairing body. of the grease burger and the, the this coffee is mm, the, astounding. The pairing of diuretic and stoppage of arteries has brought me to a place of enlightenment, which I shall never forget. <laughs> That's how it feels every time you, if you've eaten Waffle yeah. House before. Anytime you've eaten a really greasy burger and like like really questionable coffee or, you know, maybe some water from like a sketchy gas station, that's how you feel. That's what it is yeah, on the inside. Yeah. On the inside, and, you're just like, it's, it's kind of like when you eat mozzarella sticks, automatically a ska song plays in your head. It's the same. It's the same thing. Yeah. You know, because when you're eating mozzarella sticks, all you think of is like just Trump is just and you're like, this is the greatest moment ever. I am 10 years old again for five minutes. That's great. <laughs> and then you pay $7 for five of them. And you're like, <laughs> I totally could have just gone home, bought some panko breadcrumbs for a dollar and like a $12 pack of cheese, like mozzarella string cheese. And I could have just like doused that shit in egg and like fried it myself. But no, you're going to spend that same amount on a yeah. large at Arby's. Exactly. And, and there's like four in there. <laughs> I worked at Arby's. <laughs> let me dude let me tell you like working at arby's was an experience because for the first like year of me working at arby's um i was at a, a training store for the state so like any person that wanted to become a manager had to come to our store and like we train them and stuff um and then <laughs> after i graduated high school i went from that like like very uptight arby's you know image to a gas station arby's <laughs> like, dude, let me tell you the like the difference was crazy so <laughs> i remember just walking to the back like deep freeze for the first time and i like opened it up and a roach crawled out and i was like how is this possible <laughs> like it was just hanging in there and like I had never seen roaches at the the previous one, like anything gross, really, because they had to like stay tip top shape because they were a manager store um, for U.S. Beef Co. But like that gas station one, I remember the the GM. She would come in like three hours late, edit her time so it appeared that she came in on time, and then she'd kick back and sit in a chair and just vibe while everyone else struggled. I was truly like truck stop Arby's was an experience and they actually like they told us um, you so you can't have guns in the restaurant, but we would recommend that you carry a large knife with you when you take the trash out because this is a truck stop. And I was like, oh, my God, what are the bounds of this place? 
it, it's like I went from from a corporation to a mom and pop shop. But, <laughs> but, like the but difference. The important, the important thing to take out of this story, though, is that Landon has the means. I okay? do. Or he previously, at least at one point. So I might have some connections. Well, my whole th- my whole thing is like being an Arby's employee is like being a Marine. once once an Arby's employee, always an Arby's employee. We have the means, all right. I didn't know you had such strong feelings about Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> but while we're talking about fast food job, so I used to uh, I used to be a lot slimmer than I am now, and I used to be very athletic. And um, I I made this weird decision as as a college age person to not go to college. Number one. But I still moved to a college campus so that I oh. could enjoy all of the, the, the wonderful things of life of being a college student without having to pay for an education. So without the college. Class. Yeah. So I moved to like just outside UNC campus. I was living in the town of Carborough in North Carolina in like a shitty like apartment rent controlled like college student apartment as like just a 20 something year old who had no college whatsoever. And I was working in like a I was. I, originally, I was I was working like a couple jobs and stuff, and one of those jobs was was Jimmy John, Jimmy John's oh, the uh, Sammies. Yeah, Jimmy John's Sammies, you know. But because it was on a college campus, I was a bike delivery guy, like oh, on a bicycle. So I knew like the ins and outs of campus as as a townie essentially, because uh, I was bicycling through campus with subs in bags and like a basket on the my like fixed gear bicycle like rolling through guy. yeah and and the funny thing was i also had my car with me too like my 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 azuzu rodeo that i had at the time and it had a bike rack on the back so like if i got a delivery that was way too far to bike or i was feeling lazy that day i just put the bike up on the back of the car and i drive so you still put the sandwiches in the basket of the bike <laughs> and drive them there. <laughs> but no, like, and and I like for so like everybody always tells me all these horror stories working for Jimmy Jobs, but hands down, one of the best jobs I ever had because really? it was like it was so simple because there was no ovens to clean. The store generally like generally stayed clean because most people ordered delivery anyway. But if you did get the few people that came in because of college town and they were like young young people, they were trained to clean up after themselves. So like the store never really truly got dirty. So like yeah, you'd still do like sweeping and mopping and stuff, but people would respect the fact that you were mopping. They wouldn't walk through the way you mopped and they wouldn't be yeah. like all oh, the dis walk in they're like, Oh, it's fine, I'll order delivery and then they go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Or they'd like order from the door and you'd like bring it out to them. Like, All they would have to do is go next door to their dorm anyway. Well, the whole thing was like, and the funny thing was, I also worked at the pizza place that was right next door to the Jimmy John's. Because there was a Topper's Pizza and then a Jimmy John's right next to it. So oh, we had man. Topper's is like the champions of pizza. Dude, yeah, so I worked at the, at the time I worked days at Jimmy John's and nights at Topper's. So like I would get off of work at Jimmy John's. Throw my toppers like uh, mechanic shirt over my Jimmy John's shirt, and then I would start delivering for, for toppers. So like, and it would throw so many people off because some people would order lunch from me at Jimmy John's, 
and then Topper's Pizza in the same day, and I would be the same delivery driver. Delivering <laughs> You're just the day. guy. You're the delivery guy out yeah, there. Yeah, and, and, and I, just, I, I just became, like, the delivery guy that everybody... Like, you don't even go into a store at a certain point. Someone just walks up, hands you a bag and an address, and you get it there. Yeah, dude, I was like... <laughs> I was like Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Premium Rush, man. That was, <laughs> but with delivering Sammys and pizzas. Yeah, but no, I, like hands down, it was one of the like the weirdest experiences of my life because it's like everybody on campus knew who I was because at some point I had delivered. Like, right so like on. I had this, I had this like cool like college experience without ever going into debt, and. I loved every minute of it because it's like I had I had college friends and I got all the college experience and I learned all the college knowledge, but I never had to attend a class. Yeah, you never went to the classes. Yeah, so basically, uh, I'm a college educated person with no de- like. <laughs> but it's just it's it's awesome. Like no degree, I still know like all sorts of weird college stuff. Like you mentioning and- toppers just like sparked this like core memory that i have of toppers love- or toppers closed down in conway um like probably like two years ago or something um but i remember the first time i ordered from toppers i was like i want something weird and so i started going and you got the, the tater top yeah it's like <laughs> dude it was like what kind of sauce do you want and one of the sauces was mac and cheese and i was like what the fuck and Dude, so I, I was like, let's just see. And so I got the mac and cheese thing, and I added, like, buffalo chicken to it. And sure enough, it was like a buffalo chicken mac and cheese pizza. Like, exactly like what you think it would look like, too. And that was just the most absurd pizza to me, but it worked. Dude, my thing my thing was I, lo- I always loved about Toppers was it was like, it was like the, like, you remember the early 2000s when they made ketchup, but they made it, like, full? And they had yeah, like that's what they were there. doing with pizza. But it's like it's like the pizza equivalent of that. It was like the, a lawless time for pizza. And the best thing <laughs> yeah, was, it was. The best thing was like people would like order those pizzas and then like leave, and they'd just be sitting there and like they'd never come get their pizza. And then at the end of the night, we'd pay like price and we'd take home some crazy ass creation of just like Cthulhu monster pizza. Yeah, and like we would eat it ourselves, and it was awesome. Because like, and sometimes you would like mess up this just so that mm-hmm. you could get the pizza because like you'd get it for half price. Yeah, I remember and- calling Toppers one time just because I was curious. I wanted to, I wanted to play God a little bit, which is what Toppers allows you to do. That's their whole business model. Um, <laughs> Toppers. I, I asked them. I was like, so I just ordered this pizza. Um, I'm, I'm the order, Landon. Um, could I get like all the crust cut off of it? And they're like, oh yeah, that's perfectly fine. I got this pizza and it wasn't like thin crust or anything, like full on deep dish pizza with no crust. Yeah, dude, <laughs> like, like, dude, it's I insane. Not, like toppers, like like Burger King says have it your way, but toppers truly means it. Yeah. Like and <laughs> it's just like, dude, I'm so mad that I did not appreciate toppers as much as I do now. Like saying so I was actually out they had closed there. down at like three AM. Also, they were open to like five AM. Let's oh, fucking yeah. talk about that. One day oh, it was I am like well aware. three well AM. Yeah, one day it was like three AM and uh I was with my buddy and he was hopping off the interstate and I like pull up my phone and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna order toppers and it'll 
you know, should get to the house by the time we get there. And I, I go to the website and it said like my location had been closed down and I was distraught. Where Dude, else are you going to get like, like fucking silly string pizza at three fifty AM. <laughs> but she still had waffle house. I did. Yeah. <laughs> but no, my whole thing about like, like toppers pizza was just like, it was the most anarchist pizza joint I think I've ever seen in my life. Like, oh, yeah, through and through. Like, every employee that worked at the Toppers I was at was some form of punk kid. Like, they they just hired punk ass to work at this place. Like, it was just like, you have a lip ring, you're hired. Like, that's kind of how they ran it. <laughs> right and, on. The more rebellious you look, the higher up the ladder you get put. Yeah, dude, like, and, like, even thinking about the uniform toppers, man, like, they were, like, mechanic shirts, like, like, Dickies shirts. Oh, no, really? Yeah, they were, like, red Dickies shirts. They were, like, red Dickies shirts with the toppers. Like, I wish I was able to keep the uniform left, because that shirt was fire. Like, I loved that shirt. <laughs> but, yeah, like, and I, I don't know, like, but the thing is, like, I would start working at Jimmy John's at, like, 12, and then I would get off at toppers at, like, 5. So I was working like eighteen hours of the day. Like Jeez, so like the first couple hours at Jimmy John's were like normal and then you get to you know Yeah, it's like you it's get like to go working, play God for a little while at a yeah, pizza. Yeah, like place. like you're you're working at like the yes, we are clean cut our store is flawless. Enjoy your sandwich. And then you go to Fuck you, eat your pizza. And it was like it's like this weird yeah, dynamic. Yeah, like you open the door to thrash metal. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was awesome. It was awesome. And like I didn't even care that I was getting like four hours of sleep a night because like the funny thing is like I made less money at 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 Jimmy John's, but the way I did my schedule was like I worked at Jimmy John's because the lunch rush for Jimmy John's made me more tips, and then I worked at Toppers at night because the night shift got me. More you tips. were fueled because of the uh, the coffee flavored caffeine pizza. Exactly. Um, yeah, over 500 milligrams of caffeine per slice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't get me. Don't even get me started on the. Mo- on the what? Uh, there's a pizza that's every ingredient, ever, and then it's also infused with uh, quantum energy, and it's called the Moth Squatch. Um, oh, I see. <laughs> Was there a name for that? Could you get every topping at Toppers? What oh, would dude, they look you totally like? could. Dude, it would be like. Dude, that would be so insane. Could you fit it in like, the box? Dude, I don't even think so, dude. There were so many toppings on like they Like, you could put tater toppings on a pizza. Like, they legitimately had, like, a menu pizza that was the most ordered pizza. Like, I cheat on this. is the most ordered pizza from Toppers. It was, like, it was deep dish crust. And it was, like, cut into squares, not into tr- That's how Toppers did it. Um, and it was, it was deep dish crust, macaroni and cheese sauce. With uh, actual like an extra layer of cheese on top of that, tater tots, buffalo chicken, and then barbecue sauce, and it was like the ultimate tots is what it was called or some shit like that. And people ordered that shit like every night, like eighteen times a night. Dude, I swear. Yeah, I remember they had like this like Wisconsin like cheese curds pizza. Oh, dude, that, they, that they one was everything. amazing. That one was amazing. Dude, I don't know. I have, I have, I have worked at a lot of like restaurants and stuff like that. I'm always a delivery. Uh, 
uh, I've, I've been driving for my entire like working career. I've only had one job where I didn't drive, and that was GameStop. Because uh, I was a seasonal employee for GameStop. First job ever. Like, little 18-year-old kid, like, working at GameStop. <laughs> and and it was like, and I worked, like, the, uh, the the Black Ops 2 release, if that tells you how old I oh, am. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Like, not not for age, but for, like, mayhem. <laughs> yeah, like, it was when GameStop was GameStop. Like, yeah, when GameStop yeah. was popping. Like, when I had a job at GameStop, I instantly became, like, eight points cooler with all the kids at school. Like that yeah. was that was the GameStop I worked for. You know, like Power Up Rewards had just started, and like you could still use your reward points to get shit like life size replicas of Gears of War Lancers and stuff. Like I worked back in that day, and uh, I remember Assassin's Creed Brotherhood came out. I was working there, and I got it for fourteen dollars, brand new, because of my employee discount and everything that I had. Oh wow! A brand new game, and I got it for fourteen dollars. I bet you were and, hyped. Oh, dude, that's I a, bought it. That's twice. a great one too. That's and my I, favorite Assassin's Creed. And I bought it twice, so I got my brother a copy of it while I was in college, and I got myself a copy of it for like thirty bucks. I still didn't pay full Man. price for two copies. That's amazing, and yeah. you know what's crazy is like a a modern comparison to that is like. If I want you to have a game that's on Game Pass and I have Game Pass, but you don't, I can just get you Game Pass and suddenly you have 200 games. Yeah. But, like, Like, the thing was at the time. Nothing felt like that. You know? But you know what? You know what the greatest perk of working at GameStop was, though? What's that? So, a lot of people do not know about this policy they used to have. If you had over five copies of a used game as an employee of GameStop, were able to check out a copy of the game from the store to play it so that you could move the merchandise with experience from playing that game. Oh, wow. So, like, I got to play so many games that I had never even bothered to touch because I could afford them because we had extra copies of them in in the store. Yeah. And you could you could borrow it for, like, a total of, like, three days. Or until stock went down to a point where you had to bring it back in. So like, yeah. so like when COD came out, like any COD really, copies galore, I'd imagine. Well, so it was only used copy. Like it could okay. not, like you couldn't crack open a new game. Obviously. Yeah, I, th- I, I figured that much. Copy. Yeah, yeah. So like, no, but I played like, uh, oh, and then the other thing was like, uh, when you pick up the phone, you were supposed to like push a game whenever you did it. So we had this competition going on going on between the stores to who could like recommend the most ridiculous game. So at the oh, time, yeah. Connect, like Connect for Xbox had just come out, and Michael Phelps released a swimming game. And one of the others, but we only did it when another store called. We never did it to a customer. But uh, yeah. one of the other locations called us to ask us if we had a game. And I picked up the phone and I was like, "Thank you for calling GameStop, where you can pre-order your copy of Michael Phelps Push the Limit." My name is Johnny. How may I help you? And the guy on the other end of the phone just could not keep his cool, like, talking to me and just yeah. bust out laughing. He's like, that's the game you guys are pushing right now? <laughs> I was like, yes, it comes with a, it comes with a free joint. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was right around the time. It was right around the time that he got busted for the pot thing, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just messing with this 
this other dude from the other store was like, yeah, it comes to the free joint. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, there's this game store near me that's an absolute wonderland when you go in there. Um, they have this, like, it's got to be, like, 12 feet tall. It's a statue of the Incredible Hulk. Um, and it sits up on this, like, this pedestal thing and around that is just a bunch of games um and anytime they also have a statue of like a brotherhood of steel soldier from fallout um laura croft solid snake uh link from zelda anytime a holiday comes around they put like santa hats and stuff on them and they have these displays um and it it'll tell you like the title of the game at the top and it's just a ton of memorabilia from the game they have like resident evil and they have uh, a copy of like the Samurai Edge pistol that Wesker uses, and like a little T virus thing, like a a vial that says T virus on it. Um, so they just make it fun, and they sell every generation of games. Like, oh yeah, all I of love- them. So they have like Ataris all the way to like you know the Xbox Series X. Oh, but speaking of speaking of getting older generation games, right? So. When I was stationed in Colorado in the army, uh, me and my me and my buddy uh, my buddy Brendan got this beautiful idea uh, of reliving our childhood, uh, and I went on Craigslist and found like a free like big screen TV, like '90s big screen TV, mm-hmm. you know, like one of those big like honking heavy sons of bitches. Oh yeah, like nine thousand pounds, and, and they expect and we, you to get it home. And we went there, and we picked it up, and we, like, dragged it all the way up to the third floor where I was staying in the barracks. And we brought it into the barracks, and then I went to the, the thrift store just because I felt like going to the thrift store, and I saw a Nintendo 64 there. Like, somebody Ooh. had, like, like and it was, it was like, a, just a, the plain Jane Grey, like, Nintendo 64 with, like, the, the plain yellow controller, right? But a 64 I, nonetheless. But they only had it up for, like, 15 bucks. So I was like, all right, maybe there's something wrong with it. It was just missing the power cord. Right? So I, like, bought it, and I brought it back. And little did I know, uh, the GameCube and the Nintendo 64 have the same power cord. Same power cord. I, they have I learned that when I, was, when I was very young, and yeah. it was very pleasing to me same- when one stopped working. They had the same exact power supply, and I had already I already had a GameCube because I'm a huge Soul Calibur two nerd. So yeah. I had it for Soul Calibur two because I had a PlayStation two, an original Xbox, and a and a, a GameCube at the time, and I had Soul Calibur three of them because like it was it was my thing. I love that game so very much. Uh, but yeah, so I like I, I hooked four, and then we found one of those stores you were talking about, like every generation of games. And, yeah. you know, the first game I went and grabbed, like, automatically, if you're thinking Nintendo 64, I grabbed Goldeneye. <laughs> oh, yeah, Goldeneye is the game, dude. And Goldeneye with cheats? Huh. Oh, Goldeneye dude, with grabbed... cheats was phenomenal. So I grabbed Goldeneye, and then I grabbed, like, Donkey Kong 64 and uh, Super Mario 64 and, like, all, like, the, the good, like, classics. Like, I yeah. didn't buy, like, Perfect Edition in the box because I'm not a collector. Like by any means, yeah, I just, you're trying to play him. I like living the nostalgia life, so like I bought all those like the, the classic '64 games because I never had a '64 growing up. I just played it on my, at my friends' houses, so like mm-hmm. I had like the original Smash Bros. and all the all the all the all the games I used to play as a kid with my friends. And I and I bought all those and like legitimately, 
everybody wanted to come over to my like live their nostalgia out. Mm-hmm. So like I at any given time I would eight people piled up in my room around this Nintendo sixty four and this nineties big screen TV just having the most nineties slumber party of all time. I was like the only thing that was missing was like Dunkaroo and, and Surge Cola. And it would have been like a <laughs> moment of the nineties captured in modern time. And I was and like I love that memory of us huddled around this like GameCube and, and like Nintendo sixty four just like reliving the dream. <laughs> like yeah. And then we tried to beat Rainbow Six Three on the GameCube, and realized shooters have come so far that you could not play an old like anymore. Like it's so hard. And yeah, they're kind of like innately bad. But the Especially only one on the sixty-four. But like, Oof. I still can play so. Like, I've, I I still have zero problems playing SoCom. Um. Because SOCOM was so formidable in my childhood, like, growing up. Like, SOCOM U.S. Navy SEALs. I played that game oh, so damn much. Are you talking about, like, the one on, like, the PS2? Because I had the oh, PS2 no. one. Um, so, I, and... played the, I played the PSP version. Oh, so I had a, So, like, I don't know if you know this, but the PSP online community was amazing. Like, Didn't know ridiculously that. Ridiculously amazing. And uh, SOCOM Fireteam Bravo 2 had one of the coolest, like, communities because, like, it was before they had, like, PSN IDs and stuff like that. So it, it worked like World of Warcraft, essentially, where your character that you built had a name kind of deal. So, like, you would, like, type in your name and you'd log in and that was you. So you could, like, be four different people on this game but and nobody would know. Huh. Like, huh. dude, it was Catfish Central. It was a fun time. It was a fun time to be to be like 13 years old see my experience with socom was uh i don't even know which socom it was but i remember uh throwing that game in the ps2 and booting it up and not being able to get past the first level because it was so intense and like hard and i hadn't really like like my experience with shooters um you know going from like i don't know like five or six to like when i was 12 or 13 I played like Ratchet and Clank and like stuff like that. Yeah. Like I hadn't really like dived into like Ghost Recon or anything like that until la- like much later on when like the PS2 was it was old news, but I was still on it and I was just getting into shooters. Um, so that's kind of my experience with shooters. That's well, why I play whole- so few of them actually. I, I play Destiny Two religiously. Love that game, but well, that's my whole it. my whole thing is like. Uh, I was I'm not I'm not really big into either because I grew up in the third person shooter generation. Yeah. So like first person shooters like it's hard for them. It's totally different. It's hard for them to catch my attention because I'm, I I loved third person so much because I'm a I'm an environment nerd in video games. I love oh, yeah. like just looking at the environment of a game. And in a first person shooter, if I'm looking at the environment. I'm not focused on my goal. I like first person shooters are so tunnel vision that I'm like, I can't oh, enjoy yeah. the beauty of this. That's why <laughs> I think games like uh, ghost recon Breakpoint are so just so captivating to me. Um, it's one of those games where, uh, it, um, people are calling it now, uh, like dress up for boys when they like, when they dress their soldier oh, up in third oh, person games. Oh, no, I is... love that. It's, 
Oh, like, so, customization is so important to me because if I can see my character, I want to appreciate what they so, look like. So I have a really funny story about that exact thing. So my dad, like, d- was not a video games person like whatsoever, but mm-hmm. he always bought up the games and stuff. And he, but he would watch us play sometimes. And like every time he would come in, I'd be playing like Tony Hawk's Underground or something. I'd be spending like thirty minutes like creating my skateboarder to be like the most perfect representation of how I felt as an angsty teenager, right? Yeah. And my dad, like, no matter without fail, no matter what game I was playing, no matter what customization I was in, he would like I'd get like a quarter of the way done. And he'd be like, "Are you done dressing your Barbie yet?" <laughs> <laughs> And so, for like, from that point on, like, that was like an inside joke. Like, it's like whenever we walked into a room, like, me or my brother, customizing a character, be like, "Are you done dressing your Barbie yet?" <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad because when uh, when we started playing Breakpoint together, um, I'd been playing it for a like for a while, but I had like, like when we first started playing, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do like a new setup for my character. And I have like nine different like outfits for different biomes we would go to and shit. Like, um, it's like in, like in dark souls, when you're dressing up your character, like people call it fashion souls. It's exactly that in Breakpoint for me. Playing uh, fashion souls. I, I just wish that Breakpoint, like there's one thing that's a disconnect between the post recon game and point that bugs me so much is that the tattoos aren't the same between the two games so I like even know this like like yeah like because like in the first in, in wildlands there's like a sapper tattoo for your forearm and like military like real military tattoos and stuff right and then you get into breakpoint and they're all like you know geometric uh cybernetic like style tattoos yeah. i was like so i couldn't make the same nomad both games essentially and it was bugging me because i was like yeah. i was like dude like it's supposed to be the same character and he was covered in tats in the game did he magically laser remove his tattoos and get new tats? like because i am a i'm a sucker for canon and continuity yeah that it's is crazy. a caveat of the uh the ghost recon you know canon is when you go from like wildlands to like tom clancy's breakfast club um there's just a lot of those differences that really stand out but like i mean story-wise the canon works like it's not like it's just yeah it's just yeah aesthetics really and honestly a lot of people were like i don't like the fact that nomad's voice changed but i was like dude this new voice actor that fucking killed that shit yeah he did like absolutely destroyed that role like I I like it's it's like the most pleasing and well encompassing voice for like every race of character you can play. Like it does like every face in that game looks like it can produce that voice. And Ooh. that was like the one thing I really liked about it. Whereas like Nomad in the first game, you're like, that's a white guy. Yeah. Like, that's straight up a white <laughs> dude. Like that's the most white dude voice I've ever heard in my life. Like <laughs> But I don't know. <laughs> and then then just John Barenthal being the bad guy. Makes that and Rodney Mullen being Jay Skell. Ah. Champion. <laughs> Champion. Dude, I shit you not, dude. When I first played that game and Rodney Mullen, I did not know it was Rodney Mullen. I was like, I've heard this voice before. This voice is ingrained the, in my childhood. How I heard his I voice, voice and I immediately deep dive. Like, 
I oh was, yeah, immediately like, because it was yeah. like it was like this. Voice I was like, I know so who this important. is. I was like, this voice is so important to me. Like this voice has resonated something deep in the in the in the deep inner part of my soul. Where I'm like, I know this voice and I care about this voice so much. I need to know now. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out it's just the skate god, you know. <laughs> yeah, when I so when I looked that up, it was the day the game came out, um, and there was already this post on Reddit where someone was like, "Is this Rodney Mullen in Breakpoint?" And like, you know, hundreds of people were like swarming to this post and commenting on it, talking about how it, like it's got to be him. And then someone found like like the credits of the game already um, in the <laughs> files, and then they pulled them up, and they were like, "Yeah, it's Rodney Mullen." Dude, I was like, it was like, like, and it's so weird because like Rodney Mullen is so like not a part of the pop culture side of everything and like the being in movies and, and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's very and, like, surprising. Seeing, He's very reclusive. Seeing him like play that, but then like you listen to the things that Jay Scale says, it's like, dude, they literally just like cast Rodney Mullen to play Rodney Mullen. Yeah. Like 100%. Because it's, it's, it's Rodney Mullen's whole thing is innovation, innovation, innovation. And all Jay Skell is in that game is innovation, innovation, innovation. And it's just, it's a cool, it's a cool dynamic to have a professional skateboarder uh, who turned like motivational speaker play a character in a violent video game. It's, just, it's, it's, it's bizarre and such an interesting and intricate yeah, cast. It's strange that it works so well. And, and I, I just have to applaud the casting director of that game. Just I wonder. What made them pick Rodney Mullen? Like, I wonder how the whole casting, you know, went. Who like, approached? Who, well, I imagine they approached him, of course. I feel like Rodney I feel Mullen, like but like this is this is the this is the fantasy I have in my head about it. And and if this turns out to be like the actual story, then like that'll be even cooler. I think what happened was um, they because like like when you look at uh, Skeltech and all that stuff, it's very like Tesla, you know like modern internet working company right so i think what they did was they just they deep dove into like ted talks and like all that stuff to produce the company out of all the ideas in there and they caught a lot of like monologues yeah and they caught rodney mullen like he's just quirky enough and he's just he's got that that calm demeanor and that welcoming tone and that genuine like like he has you know, a very unique voice. That's he's why very, we latched onto it so quickly. Yeah, he has he has that anxiousness in his voice that that is perfect for this role of this reclusive, buy an island, run a company guy. And yeah. they were just like, they were, they probably just like hit him up and like, hey man, like you were in Tony Hawk's video game, like you've done voice work in video games. Before. Would you be down to play this innovative, like amazing character? And I feel like Rodney Mullen, without skipping a beat, was like, yes, I would do it. Because his whole thing is like it gets his voice there more, and then people start looking up stuff, and they're like, "Oh, this guy is a genius! Like he is, he is a genius level person. Like, it, like his IQ has to be insane because of what he's created and what he's done, and how in tune with his body he is, and all. He has to have a IQ. There's no way Rodney Mullen genius level IQ. Yeah, and." He saw the he saw the wonderment of it because he's been a part of the video game world before. And Rodney Mullen, uh, you know, like for being Rodney Mullen for being the lowest stat character 
and like all of Tony Hawk is still the most played pro out of all of the skaters in Tony Hawk. Just because he's, he's so that iconic. He's he's that electric of a personality, not a person in a skate style that like you didn't care whether your stats were terrible again. You were playing as Rodney Mullen. Like <laughs> Yeah. And I've I've always loved Rodney Mullen. Rodney Mullen is like the underdog of all under. Like he just like he he started from skateboarding. His book in a, is literally called the Mutt. Yeah, he started from skating in a garage, nowhere to skate, and he like invented all these skate tricks to make him comfortable with skating in the garage. Like because it's boring to just skate flat nothingness. And he's yeah, he like tells the story a lot about how he had like a, a slab of concrete, and like that was it. Yeah, and, and it's just like that's amazing. And he created all of these tricks that we do today. Like without Rodney like, Mullen, there's no Jason Lee. Without Tom yeah. Green, there's no like there's no Mike V. There's no like none of those people would do half of the tricks that we know today without Rodney Mullen having existed. It's it's like if Jay Adams never like. We wouldn't have hand plants if Jay Adams hadn't have fucking slapped his hand down doing frontside airs. Like, we wouldn't have any of that stuff because they were there to challenge the narrative and be weird and innovative. And like Jay, Jay Adams is by no means like the greatest skateboarder of all time, but it was his aggressive demeanor, his his like just don't give a fuck attitude that bred modern skateboarding. He is the godfather of modern skateboarding. And that same questionability is, you know, what brought us together really meeting in like the, the skater XL community and both, you know, being just creative people that didn't really care what other people thought of, you know, how they skated. They, like we just, yeah, we skate, like, you know, the things we want to skate and we skate how we like to skate. And it's a little against the grain, but <laughs> it's entertaining overall. And uh, I, I think I think a little is putting it very lightly. Uh, yeah, it is. For you, it for really you, is. For you, maybe it might be a little because it's just like I do everything but faster. But for me, it's like I am way different from everybody yeah. else who plays that shit. Because I was like, I was like, no, like I'm not gonna just do kick flips to board slides on every rail in the game and then put it to like bass beat music. I was like, I'm gonna make a fucking music video and I'm gonna do backflip. Yeah. And, and hand See, I like to do tricks, tricks that like really make you question shit. Um, but they're not like they are outlandish. But at the same time, like it's not outside the realms of reality. Like it could well, be done. I mean, you go back. Like if you went back in time and talked to you know like Tony Alba, and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna spin the board in a in like a full 360 on like its its vertical axis, and then also spin it 360 on its horizontal axis, and I'm going to call it a 360 flip. He'd be like, you're fucking batshit. Yeah. Like, that's impossible. Like Exactly. That you know, challenging bro. of the perspective of skateboarding is one of the things that really drew me to Pool Brigade and, and you in general. And then when we had uh, the King of the Road thing, me and you just hit it off. Oh, yeah. And, and the funny thing was, like, we had been on a team together before. We just, like, didn't talk. Yeah. You know? And it was... And and the funny thing is, like, I was never great at real life skateboarding by any means. Like, I'm still I still skate now, but I'm amazing at it. But like with Skater XL, it was like the first time that I had full control over a body that wouldn't break. 
So I was able to push that boundary like that. I always wanted to push in real life in a video game and people absolutely hated it. And I was like, I love your hate, hate me more, <laughs> you know, like, cause I was just like, I was just but like, see, no, like in doing that, you attracted all these other personalities that try to do, you know, the same thing in a different manner. You know, yeah, we and- just, we want to do like, you know, things that we think of in our head that that we're not, you know, capable of that are a little weird, like, you know, beyond a little weird. But now you have this, like, whole group of just rippers. Yeah, but then, like, the thing is, like, we push the boundaries in everything we do with that game. Like, the advertisements that we make and all that stuff, too. Like, we're just like, let's put together a really funny script about... Like how our gear tells your dad to fuck off. Like, and we just like, yeah, and we turned it into a full on corporate advertisement. Um, oh yeah, with a with a like punk part immediately following it. It was, it was very <laughs> oddly enough, it was well thought out without us really doing a lot of thinking. Yeah, because it was we were just portraying our, our skateboarding attitude. It was it was like we uh we just like took notes from like all of the all the movies advertisements we loved in skateboarding growing up, you know, like Freddy got fingered and, and all of yeah. the, all of the clerks and mall rats and like that, that skate culture, like rebellious culture that we grew up in. And we're like, let's just take that humor style and throw it on an advertisement for this game and see if we can get people like interested in not even like downloading the, stuff we were putting out for the mod community but just like get people interested in the game itself yeah it was and it, I say it was a very low period game it seemed like and we were like we want to make something super creative and super funny and and super out there that's not like a traditional skateboard video and be like there's more you can do with this like you can make a yeah, stupid I ad. really just want people to open up their you know their minds to the things that they can do in Excel and I mean, the current ad that we're working on, we can't really you know, talk about it right, right now, but we will be able to. But what we have done is just super creative and very outside the box. And, you know, it's things we found completely on accident, just breaking the game, really. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then, um, and then, and then we deep faked some voices, you know, like... Oh, yeah. Spent six hours deep faking the voice of David Attenborough. <laughs> Yeah, we did. We did. That was amazing. Honestly, um, I totally noticed something about that audio the other day too. Like we had, we were like typing it, whatever. And he pronounces weird, weird words not exactly as you type them. But yeah. uh, we typed out skateboarder, right? And like in pure David Attenborough fashion, without us even realizing it, instead of saying skateboarder, he said skaterboarder. Yeah, and we were like skaterboarder. And I was like, that is the perfect David Attenborough game. Yeah, it works. And it worked so well, so we just left it in there. It's like, today we're going to explore the life of a local skateboard. 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 (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love how those, just those happy accidents come into play when we're trying to be creative with ads. Dude, and, and it all started out like the joke where i said to you where it was like where it was like uh it was like a it was like a globo gym or whatever from dodgeball and i was like i was like 
yeah, man, we don't care about your skateboarding because we know we're better than you. And then you came back with the, at Pool Brigade, we understand your His frustration. But, but we, we don't, don't feel them. Because we're just we're that just much, much better, better than, than, you. than you. And then I was just like, all right, cool. Yeah, and then, I then all the rattling around. back and forth, and it became a full-on, like, like audio production. <laughs> and I love that we use, like, the like rehab like commercial video like the like the herpes <laughs> medication music yeah. in the background and so it's like and then you've just got this guy like confidence that'll finally tell your wife yes that dress does make your ass, your ass look fat <laughs> <laughs> and it just it just it vibe originally we were gonna have landon do a live action bit and then yeah. The stars just didn't align, so I like ended up filming all of the stuff in game, and I think it actually ended up better than it, ever it worked did. out really well. You you did those like those shots of like those buildings; <laughs> they looked like corporate offices. It was <laughs> huh, stunning, and I just I loved the I loved the fact that making that video made me invent a new trick on the game. I mean, it's a trick that exists in real life. But it made me like hunt down that trick to like get it to be an actual like landed trick. I like fake posed my guy in like a hand plane, and then I was like, I wonder if I could get him to land that. And then I spent like picker on the half putt. It was so wild, dude. And then I spent like three days figuring it out. And now I do them like they're nothing. Now I've like got it down to a science where like I can like one eighty in, one eighty out of them a 90 degree turn at the farm and land on the kicker below the fucking quarter pipe and stuff like that. And like when I first started playing this game, I would have never thought I could pull that shit off. Like, yeah. So Um, in the very beginning of the battle page, when, when I started doing wallies into manuals and people were like, wait a minute, you can do that. Like, yeah, that felt good. You know, be just being one of those people that brought that to like, I don't, I'm not going to claim to be the first because I I was not. Like, I'm, pretty sure, definitely I'm happened. pretty sure. Pretty sure every trick we've ever thought of, Dan Frammy has done for any of us. Yeah. Like so. Um. But just the fact that like I was able to bring that to a lot of people's attention that made me happy because I was doing uh I was doing wallies up the courthouse uh stage. <laughs> yeah. Into like nose manuals and shit. Um. And that became my thing for a while. I was wallying yeah. everything. I don't know. I've I've gotten to the point now where I'm just like, I don't care anymore. And what, I just have fun with that game. And I'm like, yeah. Now I just have a collective of all the weird types of tricks that I've learned. Like I <laughs> I put on Instagram the other day that uh, switch laser hippie flip into a crook. Um, yeah, that was just insane. Like that I was able to do that in general. Looking back on that clip. Because that's a hard trick. Like, that's a really hard trick. Um, and I've just never really given myself that credit, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't ever, but I don't ever, like, get ego inflated about it. I don't yeah, think. yeah, exactly. For me, it's just like, I had a good creative moment. Enjoy this. I, I love this. And then, yeah. like, if I lose, I lose, man. I'm not, I don't, I don't apologize to anybody for anything you know and it's but it's 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 a it's a pure form of expression through a video game that i don't think i've ever seen any other video game 
And you know what's crazy is I didn't even know I was thought of so positively until I like really until I entered Mad Nice. And yeah. and everybody just had really positive things to say about me. And as soon as I asked about, you know, like a board sponsor, um, Daryl messaged me within like five minutes. Well, my um, whole thing my whole thing with um well, so like I'm gonna go ahead and shamelessly plug this, but mm-hmm. like without um the work that Adam has done, like Lepa has done with Mad Nice, I think this game would have died a while for a lot of us. Yeah. Because, yeah uh, so if you guys if you guys haven't heard of it, um if you're into skateboarding and skateboarding video games, go on Facebook and look up Mad Nice XL. It's a it's a competition. Yeah, it's uh Mad Nice XL um I think it's no, so the page that actually does the broadcast, Mad Nice, the name of the oh, page. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and basically, what it is is it's a Facebook gaming stream of all of like the skateboarders in the community of this game, where we submit runs, and um, they have like like anonymous judges that judge the skateboarding, like they would, you know, like the X Games or you know the Olympics or whatever. And then he puts it all together and he does this wonderful thing for the community and like it streams every week um, when the season's going and he does like all-star competitions and like there's advertisements like the ones that we made that play in the middle of the middle of the stream sometimes. And it's just like a really like good like general gaming creative zone people and like to not shout that out like would be a crime because like he puts so he put yeah adam so much work so much for the community he puts like a full-time full-time jobs level of work into the stream every week he really does and without me having entered mad nice for uh it's going on season three um by the way three seasons so far um if i hadn't entered in season three i don't think i'd have had like the resurgence in my like xl career um, because entering Mad Nice was really what like jump started me putting stuff out again. Because I stopped for a while. A lot of us like really kind of like faded, and then once you know Mad Nice like towards the end of season, I think it starts the end of season two when like things like really kicked off, and like season three came around, bunch more people like jumped on board. Um, a lot of work on Adam. We appreciate every bit of it um it's an amazing thing to watch so many talented people like take part in it um, me and johnny are actually in am league there's, yeah there are three leagues uh, there's uh pro can... league am league and then open, open leagues group one and two yeah and yeah. you can you can find your boy on the bottom of the am league because I refuse to fall in line and do the same stuff that everybody else does. I think I'm in the middle. I did so bad uh, last time because I was not going to forsake my speed because I like to go super fast. That's like my whole thing. Um, I was not going to forsake that, and I got a pretty low score one of my runs, and it really got me. Um, But the only reason I'm in Am League uh, is I won three stops, which are like episodes. Um in a row in open league and got jumpstart, you know, shot into am league still have no idea if that was a good decision or not, but you know, I'm doing it. <laughs> well, my whole thing is, um, um, I'm not the best when it comes to leaderboard points, but I've, I've made enough of an impact. Johnny's damn good. I've made enough of an impact on the 
peak that they named an award after me for being the weirdest skater out there. It is called the Creeper Award because uh, that's my that's like my handle competition is Creeper, and they and so but of course I won the first ever Creeper, but I thought that it was kind of like a give me award. They just kind of like handed it to me because like we're like what what do we give this guy? But it turns out like he had already had the plan for the first time, and he was going to call it the Southpaw Award, the most unorthodox skater and the opposite orthodox is Southpaw in boxing. And um, but then he was like he was like you know what no we're going to name after Creeper, because Creeper is the perfect embodiment of skating just stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. So, so <laughs> my only goal in Mad Nice this season is the Speed Demon Award, actually. That's it. <laughs> That's all I care about. <laughs> I don't care if I lose every stop. I'm going to go fast as fuck. Well, it's you, it's you versus Dirty Dan, man. Yeah, that's true. That's the guy that wears the same thing all yeah. the time, right? Yeah, Dirty Dan. Yeah. Dirty Dan always Three seasons going, same outfit? Yeah, dude, he's the dirtiest skater ever. Has no yeah, one made Dan. him a dirty version of his outfit? <laughs> that'd be funny as hell. Is he on PC? I don't I don't know. I, We'd I'll, have I'll to, honest. like, push and get it on console for him. <laughs> Just a really dirty outfit. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny, though. I really enjoy it. All the little quirks and stuff you see in that competition. It's, it seems like a crime to talk about Skater XL without bringing it up. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, which, by the way we're going to bring that game up a lot, and it's not because we're like advertising for that game. It's just that's, that's yeah, a community we're, we're, we're a part of. We're very involved of. in it. Yeah, we're very involved in that community. We're not like pushing or advocating and saying it's the greatest game of all time. It's just it's a part of our friendship, and it's something oh, we yeah. like to talk about. And if if some people listen to this and they want to check it out, that's like uh, we're not going to stop you from checking it out. We're also not going to stop you from you know playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, like a big yeah. part of our childhood too. And- also, if you play Skater XL and you're listening in on this now, um, go check out Mad Nice. You can enter. Open League is uh, it's open registration for Open League. Um, and, and show it's, some and love. It's, and it's a really good learning experience too, because like. If you're not up to par with everybody else, nobody leaves you hanging. They don't just like milk you for easy yeah, wins. People will like, coach you. Like yeah. hands down. Yeah, and it's it's a good and it's a good like there's there's some like speculation in it and there's still some politics involved in it with any sort of competition. Some people are are sour sports and stuff, but like if you just go into it with the idea of having a good time and just seeing how you stack up, then that's fine. Like you, you'll have a great time if you're going you'll in there. Also, with find yourself very connected to the community through it. Um, a lot of people on the Discord, tons of people. Um, I talk on the Discord actually quite a lot. Um, and if you if you just jump in there, jump in a conversation here and there, like you'll make some friends. Probably get brought onto you know onto their group, whatever it is. It's fun. It's, yeah, it's amazing the, fun. And the other thing is, it's a, it's a, um, we won't like, even if you're a listener of the podcast, like we're not, we're not, we don't think of it in like a famous sense of being like these untouchable yeah, no, beings. No. Like we will genuinely sit down and have a conversation with you. And if you, yeah. if you think you have like a really valuable story and you want to share it with us and you've always wanted to be on a podcast, hit us up. We'll get you in here. We'll right. talk about your story. We'll talk to you. We don't, 
we we're we Absolutely. want we we want valuable conversation and valuable stories and just, I like just wanna, yeah i want to learn from people honestly yeah and 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 uh, it could be the guy who flips burgers at a mcdonald's it could be the guy who, it could be elon musk who runs tesla that we want to talk to but we'll talk to you the same way no matter which walk of life you're from because we see you as we see everybody as an equal playing field that's how yeah. we see it tell us your story yeah and if everybody's and if, got an interesting story and I, if I don't you got if you live the most boring life in the world like there's some point in your life where something something funny has happened something informational even like it everybody's and, interesting in their own ways and it doesn't even have to be you who comes on the podcast just like yeah. um you know find a way to get a contact with this probably we're probably not we don't really have like the, the talk to us stuff set up yet but like a few podcasts down the road we'll be putting out emails for you to email your stories to if you don't really feel like jumping on the podcast or you just have a quick little anecdote you want to say about anything we'll we'll respond or we'll read it off on the podcast and respond to the podcast and we'll talk to you and it'll oh, be yeah. a great time you know yep. You can currently find you can find me on Instagram at give me your lemon. Um, that's my that's my Skater XL page, um, but it's it's the page that I'm sort of opening up to the community. Um, and uh, you can contact us there about podcast stuff if you feel like until we get uh, everything set up, or if you know us personally, just reach out. Yeah, yeah, we we obviously we're very approachable. Uh, we don't. We don't. We don't. We don't have this idea that world's greatest podcast of all time. I mean, if it gets to that point and we end up on that level, then yeah, that's well, neat. It's neat, but it's not the goal. Yeah. So, like, we're yeah. we're here. We're to to bring back the callback to what I said, like about the people along the way. It's not the end image. So, no matter yeah. where we get to in the level of the podcast really fucking love it and it becomes like this massive thing i'm still gonna be looking for those pieces so i'll still filter through thousands of emails to find that one guy who really needs to hear something like i don't care like this is this is like my this is my contribution in a sense and if it's well received it's well received if i get nothing but one star reviews because i talk too damn much i mean it's yeah you know whatever works (laughs) <laughs> but we appreciate the people that do listen and if you have a story just reach out that's all yeah. we ask yeah